welcome back uh, to the Used Gamers. We're on our next episode. Uh, I'm Mike. I'm going to be hosting tonight. Of course, with me is Jared and Chris. Hey, hello. Um, if you guys did haven't listened to our last episode, we did kind of a, a year in review of last year. So, of course, this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, what we're looking forward to in the year coming. Uh, so, uh, hopefully, some really good stuff coming out this year. But first off, we're just going to talk a little bit about kind of what we've been doing lately in the gaming realm. So, uh, Jared, do you want to start us off with that? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, I, I got through the rest of Assassin's Creed 3, uh, the main main campaign part, and uh, really enjoyed it through to the end. Um, I thought it was one of the most complex and believable characters in Connor, which I thought was really cool. Um, he has things like doubts. That's exciting. Um, and he grows as a character, expands a long period of time, he, he grows, he's actually, you know, quite brash as a youngster, and matures a bit, uh, which is really cool, the gameplay continued to be incredibly fun, um, I've been playing cleanup on a little bit of the achievements still, um, there's actually a whole thing you can do afterwards, that reminds me of some of the, like, glyph stuff that you've done in the previous ones, and I haven't finished it yet, um, but you actually have to, like, collect these, these items that you, it's really kind of bizarre if I try to explain it. But you have these these things you can put down, and they basically triangulate the, the position of these items you have to find. Oh, okay. And and you can put them down and pick them up. And, they'll, and what will happen is they'll say, oh, one of these things is available in the frontier, and you have to go try and find it. And, and what you end up doing is you slowly narrow the field by moving them. And um, I'm still working on that. So it seems interesting, though. I think it might be one of those things that gives you some more information about... Um, other things we don't worry about what so it's kind of like in assassin's creed 2 those little movie clips that you had to put together to kind of tell us yeah it, except, it fleshes out the world in some way i think so except that as i find them nothing's happening i think something's gonna happen when i forget them all mm. and i couldn't do it until after i completed the campaign oh. so it wasn't happening concurrently like the other ones so it's definitely different but i don't know i'll do it and if it's not too spoiler heavy i'll let you guys know about it next time um, but I'm playing through that now and doing a little bit of other things. I haven't gotten to the multiplayer yet. I'll have that for you guys next episode. Um, but that, that game continued to rock. It was really, really fun. And uh, I also... I think we're going to get into this more later, unless you want to do it now. But I played the new DLC, uh, the Sir Hammerlock. What's it called? Hammerlock's Big Hunt? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, for Borderlands 2. For Borderlands 2. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit. And uh, So I've been playing that as well, so I guess we'll get into that in a bit. Because um, we're going to review that here it's a bit of the modern stuff for the show so i've been playing that as well uh throughout throughout the last couple weeks this has been a close podcast for us it's nice they're closer than the last few <laughs> what have you been doing mike uh well uh you know i got to try out the the dlc um for for borderlands which like like uh, jared said we'll talk about in just a sec um i also started playing uh darksiders 2 which uh i've been really enjoying um, I, you know, I like the the size of it. I, I really thought that I was kind of getting towards the end, and then all of a sudden it opened up into a whole new you know world to explore. So I'm <laughs> just kind of uh, a little floored by the size of the game, com especially compared to the first one. Uh, I, I'm kind of enjoying the loot, although I feel like I grab a lot more junk than I pick up stuff that I'm really kind of interested in. So that's a, a okay. little... But did you get the, the ones yet that you can sacrifice stuff to? I only found one. Yeah, that's... you'll find more. You'll okay. find a lot. Because but... I found that one at the very beginning of the yeah. game, and I haven't found any since. You'll find more, especially as you go, and it gives you more to do with your junk. Yeah. Because you can at least, like, feed it to these weapons. No, which I thought oh, was cool. cool. It was definitely yeah. cool you could upgrade, even though as I was upgrading it, it wasn't upgrading fast enough to keep up with all the stuff that I was picking up. 
So maybe I was hoping... And that'll happen. Eventually you'll ditch yeah. it for a new one. No. But, but this can... one I never even had a use for it because it was uh. so low compared to everything else. Every time I started leveling it up, I'd pick up something else that was nicer and wouldn't Yeah, you'll level slower it. as you yeah. continue to go through the game. Um, but I'm enjoying the combat of it and the way, uh, you know, Death is definitely a very different character compared to, compared to War that you played as the first game. So, uh, you know, really enjoying it, and, uh, you know, I, I like... The best thing I've liked about both these games is the story and the design of it. Um, really different, very interesting, and um, I would say... I, I This is one of those games you could just sit there, or at least for me, just sit there and watch, just because I enjoy just looking at it and um, listening to the story. Really, really um, entertaining. Uh, and then, of course, I am still uh, hooked on to um, The Old Republic, uh, I'm happy to say that Bioware, being the amazing game company they are, listened to their fans, and um, uh, they didn't really up anything for the free-to-play um, people. They're, they're pretty much the same. But if you're a preferred player like I am, where if you've bought the game or paid, spent $5 in like it, yeah, spent some kind of money, basically the cheapest thing you can buy is $5. So as long as you buy something, you become preferred. And they actually got a little bit of an increase. They went from... Uh, two character slots to six, as well as a lot of others, but that was really the big one for me, because I just wanted to be able to try out other characters and, and uh, you know, have the whole nice thing about having um, alternate characters, so uh, I was really glad that they did that, so it's definitely kind of helped me to enjoy that a lot more, um, but that's that's pretty much been what I've been up to, so Chris, what about you? Um, I have been, uh, well, I've been thinking about games that are coming up, and one of the things that I was eager about in this coming year is the fact that there aren't a lot of big games that I'm looking forward to that are coming out really close to now, so it's a, a good time to kind of catch up on some stuff, and I was thinking about um, Dead Space 3 that's coming out soon, so I had this copy of Dead Space 2 that I hadn't opened yet that's been sitting around that I got on clearance <laughs> somewhere, so I dove into that, and it's funny because when that game, when the first game came out, uh, I really, really enjoyed it a lot, and I think it scratched this itch that reminded me so much of Resident Evil 4 which, you know, as different as that game was from the other games that came before it, I love that game, and I think that's probably the game that I've played through the most of any game ever. I just keep playing through that game. I just love that campaign so much. Um, and Dead Space, it, it just it matched that pacing, just the way it, that game worked out reminded me so much of that game. So I, I really enjoyed it, and then just kind of forgot about it. And I'm having a lot of fun with the second one. I know there were a lot of complaints about, you know, the character not being silent anymore, and the you know, scarcity of weapons or too many weapons or too much ammo, I remember, and the campaign being too short, but it's really fun. There's something that's just silly about, you know, in an interactive experience that has things like jump scares in it. It's just kind of fun. It's it's like, you know, a popcorn movie of a game, so my plan is to try to get through that. I think I'm on the ninth chapter of 15, so I'm not too far away from the end of it. Um, in anticipation of being able to play the third one. The other thing uh, that I kind of messed with a little bit was uh, I had re-upped uh, my membership with GameStop, which came with its buy two, get one free, use games coupon. So um, I had been feeling like my little PS3 has been the neglected stepchild of my console setup. So um, I picked up a couple of games that uh, I'd been thinking about. Uh, what were they now? Uh, Deus Ex, Human Revolution, uh, Dark Souls because I want to get kicked in the groin Dude, again. Geez. And um, Valkyria Chronicles, which is a strategy RPG that's really pretty. And of the three of them, the only one that I've spent any time with um, has been Deus Ex. And it's funny because, especially compared to Dead Space 2, I, there's something about Deus Ex, I, the art, I don't know if it's the art style or the animations of it, it feels weird to me. It doesn't look as good as I feel like it should 
for a PS3 game, which in general I usually think of those games as looking even better than the Xbox ones do, whether or not they play better. But um, And I think part of it is I'm just coming to this realization that first-person games in general for me, it's just not really my favorite way to play through games. I mean, I absolutely love the Bioshock games, and I have tons of fun playing through the two Borderlands games. But, um, yeah, I, some, I don't know, third-person for me just seems like... I don't know, it feels different because I can see more of what's going on. I like seeing my character, especially if you've got stuff like armor changes and weapons upgrades and stuff like that. So um, I'll spend a little bit of time more with each of those. But uh, yeah, it's uh, mainly been Dead Space 2 for me right now. It's interesting that you were saying that about with Dead Space 2 because a lot of the reasons why I liked the second one better was because I felt that it was a lot more of a desperate struggle to find supplies like ammo and med packs and everything. While in the first one, I kind of felt that was supposed to be the feel of the game, but in the first one I felt like I had way too much stuff. Like, I never ran out. And I also, I liked that, you know, that Isaac, the, the main character, actually started talking, because um, I think it added more to the story and lets right. you kind of understand more about him, um, which is kind of what I feel like. The first one was just kind of the introduction, and the second one they really wanted to delve into him, and so I think they had to have him talk in order to do that. So I think it just kind of made it more of a story-driven kind of game. But I kind of liked those changes. But I can understand where some people would be a little iffy because it is kind of such a change from the original. Yeah, and I hit one of those moments, which happens every now and again in a game, where I, I inadvertently had hit a save point at a place where there were just too many enemies around. I had one bullet for one of my four weapons and no stores. I have no money. So I'm stuck in this endless loop of reload, something runs at me, instantly kills me. And I guess the fun part of it had to be that I had to figure out how to use my stasis powers and my kinesis and look at the other things in the environment because I had to figure out how to kill these things without any weapons and uh, finally made it through, which is always that frustrating thing where you look at the game clock and it says you've been playing for six hours, but you know you just played the same scene for like three and a half hours, but it doesn't end up counting towards your clock, so... Yeah, it's going to say that I played for about 12 hours, where it's probably going to be like 35. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, since so much of the narrative is about, you know, your character essentially kind of dealing with going insane based on the events of the first game, like, to not have that character have some kind of verbal input into what he's going through, I, I, that would have been pretty strange. And it's weird now to think back that the whole first game didn't involve him saying anything, because now it's just part of the experience. I don't feel like it's weird at all. I, I think it's as fun, if not more fun, than the first one, so... Take that if you didn't like the second one. <laughs> well, one of the complaints I heard, and I didn't play these games, was that they um, <clears throat> thought the first one was just grittier. And I think li literally the, the visual style. Were they different visually? Um, you know, that's interesting. I, then that was something that people said about Mass Effect 2 as well, I remember when that came out, because the first one had this weird 80s cinema film grain thing going on, which I guess you could turn off or turn on. And the second one was just sort of a cleaner, crisper... I think we would agree better experience, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I, it definitely does seem a lot more colorful. Uh, the the times when things are really dark and very claustrophobic are very dark and very claustrophobic, and are done and rendered. Uh, they just visually look a lot better than the first game. But I feel like overall, yeah, that that first game did sort of have like a much darker, creepier vibe than at least what I've played through so far. I'm running into a lot more other characters too, so. It's a weird thing when, you know, is it as scary when you're not isolated in this area, which will be interesting to see how it plays out in the third game, which you can play through co-op. So hmm. what, what does that do to something that's supposed to be scary if you've got somebody with you the whole time? And I guess that demo just released on Xbox Live. I haven't mm. gotten a chance to play through it yet. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I may just avoid it altogether in order to just, you know, get into the game 
Um, since the story does seem to be a pretty cool part of it, I'd like to, when you pull stuff out of the middle of a narrative, that's sometimes a little odd to figure out, well, what's going on here? Why, why am I doing this? Who are these people? Where am I? But um, yeah, I think maybe not as gritty. Definitely prettier, though. Mm -hmm. oh, cool. But you have to wonder, is that a change in their design or just also just a change in, in graphic capabilities? You know, you can look at that with Mass Effect, you know, how much of a, a time span there was between the two. Same thing with Dead Space. You know, it's going to get nicer. I've seen screenshots for Dead Space 3, and it looks beautiful. But, yeah. I mean, that's just because they can now, so why not? But, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how, how the third one tries. It will, uh, I really look forward to trying the demo, and, of course, the game looks like it's it should be pretty fun, so... We'll talk about that in a little bit when we get to the upcoming. Um, for right now, I guess we'll go ahead and talk a little bit about um, the new DLC for Borderlands 2, um, uh, Hammerlock's Big Hunt. Uh, I've gotten a chance to kind of try it out. Uh, Jared, I know you said you, you'd kind of finished it, and I yeah. felt it, it definitely wasn't my favorite of the DLC so far. I mean, obviously, you know, Mr. Torg was just hilarious, but... <laughs> I mean, I've liked what I've played so far, because in the end, it's just more Borderlands, and you sure. can't really argue with that. One complaint I would have is that it's still they still haven't come out with the level cap increase, uh, which I, I would have liked to have had for this next DLC, so that you have more of a reason to play it with your characters that are already hitting 50, but um, it, it's still fun. It's still Borderlands. I still like playing it, even with a level 50 character that isn't going to level up anymore. It still gives me something to do with that character, which I still enjoy playing. So it, it's it was it was fun in that extent, and I liked how they just they're still coming out with new villains and new characters. Like it's not just reskinning stuff that you've already fought before. Um, a, a lot of tough villains too in this one. Um, so I, I I enjoyed it, but it definitely wasn't my favorite. So what did you think? Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I mean. I, I may have almost liked it more if it didn't come out after the Mr. Torg DLC, which was not only to me, which was kind of better in all regard. Like, I thought it was funnier, which is a big part of this series. Um, the Mr. Torg, I did beat it. The Mr. Torg DLC is considerably longer and more developed and um, was just a little bit more fun. Uh, but this one was still pretty good because I, you know, I found that I can just sit down and just play this game. I don't even need anything happening. I don't even need story or growth. Like, I, I want to go get that next best gun. I just went the other day and was playing. I got a new sniper rifle. It's the best day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, the, just to have more Borderlands is cool. I did like the variation in enemies. I thought that was really fun. Um, there's some there's some really new enemies, and they're not, like he said, it's not just like, oh, which they they had some enemies that were mostly just reskinned in the pirate booty. That was mostly what it was. And yeah. in this one, some of the enemies are really different and really unique. And I thought that was cool um, for them to do that. So I enjoyed it. I really liked the new villain they made. Um, we were talking a little bit about that. Uh, I don't I don't want to tell you why, because I don't want to take away some of the humor. But um, the new villain they have is really interesting. And um, the the boss battle with him is, is really cool. And um, I'll, I'll even wait off, off the show to, to tell you about it once you beat it, because it's really... Uh, nice, but I'll leave it for you to, to do as well, yeah. Mike. You tell me when you're done. But I, I enjoyed it because, yeah, just more Borderlands, which of course I want. Yeah, well, I, want I had, Borderlands, I, but so I do want that level cap. I do want that level cap to go up. I yeah, think it's absolutely. time. I, 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 I believe that people who bought this game, who are who want this DLC already, who are going to buy it now, are level fifty. No, I feel like they're there. So I, I'm surprised that they didn't do a level cap increase yet. They've talked about doing it separate from the from the, the DLCs. I think it's time. They did, if you look though, if you played as a first playthrough, the, the start edit is level 35. 
instead of 30. Oh. Yeah. Um, which the other DLCs were both both at 30. So you know that they understand that people are further along in some degree, but I guess maybe, I don't know, maybe people aren't as, as far along as I am. I, well, I they had, they I saw, are. they Oops. had an interview with Randy Pitchford around the end of last year asking about a level cap increase. And he said that they, they had a way of tracking it, and they said only 16% of people playing had reached the level cap, which is obviously a very small amount. But I can't help but feel between then and now, I'm sure a lot more people have finally started to hit that level 50. Um, so, yeah, I definitely feel like now is definitely getting to the time where they have to start, you know, considering that. Um, I think so. But I, I had a question. Since you did finish it, I was a little worried that since this one is, is more of Hammerlock and it's called The Big Hunt and it is a lot about hunting, mm-hmm. from what the little bit I, I've gotten to play of it, it's a lot more of fighting creatures rather than, you know, actual people you know, that are shooting back at you. Um, is that, did you find that to be overall kind of the, the feel of it or, or do you eventually get to a part where you're fighting more of like other people? Um, yes, I found that to be generally true. I mean, it's not just a bunch of hunting quests lined up, which is good because they do introduce a new villain and there is a little mini story and thing going on that, that you do, but it's very creature heavy. Certainly. Uh, the only, I mean, I don't think... The only, like, humanoids, if you want to call them, you fight are those, like, kind of aboriginal tribal guys that you yeah. fight. And um, and they have some ranged weapons, but they don't have guns. Well, there uh, are some of them that have guns, but they're usually ones... There's only, like, a one out of every there, group, okay. every spawn or something. Um, so, yeah, so... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of creatures, but, I, I mean, I think that was by intent, and that's part of why this one's kind of different. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because it's... A lot of the other ones are, are human-heavy. You fight all these, you know, midgets and you know, nomads and psychos and stuff, and that's... There's, there's actually not as many beasts in the game as it kind of seems like sometimes. We know, know there's varkids and stuff, but... Yeah. And they're, uh, and skags. I guess that's the only beast you fight a lot of skags, but um, this one's way more creature-heavy. But that I think that gives a different feel, which is something I actually liked mm-hmm. to me about this DLC. Well, and something else that I was, I was kind of interested to find in this DLC is... I, I mean, I don't want to give anything away because it might be a surprise, but you do find something to use all that iridium that you now have stored up if you're level 50 like us that you just sit there and don't know what to do with. Um, did you run into those little things that are around? Those, like, furnaces? Yeah, I don't yeah, know what, what it do does. Do? I don't know. But <laughs> apparently you can use your iridium for okay, it. Okay, I, I went... Every time I found one, I threw iridium in him thinking it would do something. But then I found... I went back to one later, and it asked me to put it in again. Oh. So I don't know what they do. Oh, I thought it was going to be something like if you did a certain amount, I it was like it a badass be. rank or something. I thought it might be because it takes, like, 24 uh-huh. iridium to whatever, power this... It looks like a, It looks like a stove. Hmm. That you put iridium in it and it turns it on. And I think they're all in one section of the game, I realize. So you might need to put all of them, fill all of them without leaving the area. I don't know. But it's not tied into any quest line and there's no noticeable stat changes. Nothing or happens not besides you, weapons s- or you see your anything. iridium show up there on the ground. That's and then it. You're like, oh, I don't know. Okay. It appeared to do nothing. I don't know. I, I did see one thing in the um, in the badass rank area that talks about finding a hidden area, which I didn't find. And I think it might have something to do with that. Maybe. I don't know. I'll go look at it. I was just mind. glad to see that they're finally realizing there's a bunch of people out there who with are 99 iridium. 99 iridium and yeah. just like, oh, look, another iridium I bar. I mean, you need yeah. the iridium to go fight some of the super powerful bosses. Yeah. But it's like, it was like eight iridium. And like, you you know. You can get that just by one drop. Yeah. You can get that in like five seconds. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm glad to have something to do with it. Don't know what I'm doing with it. Seems to be nothing. But, yeah, it's cool. You could use iridium again, yeah. Yeah, this, and from what I had heard, this is. The story that is tied into this is 
it, it's meant to take place after the events of the main game, right? Yes. The it assumption does. is they that make, Handsome Jack is no longer around, right? They make reference to it, yes. Okay, that's Repeatedly. It, it, it definitely is the first DLC that is definitely supposed to take place story-wise after the main campaign where they reference the campaign and things like that. Mm-hmm. You get the impression that Torg was after that because I think they talk about opening another vault. And Mr. Torg, right? Because that's what the whole thing is. Well, I mean, I think the, the whole idea is that there's, there's hundreds of vaults. So it could they could have been talking about a total other vault. I yeah. mean, and just hinting at maybe a future DLC or something. Because they still have one more DLC that they have to release before June or June, July. I think. I think. June, yeah. I hope they take a while. I mean, I guess it's going to be a while for this next DLC. Yeah, I Probably. mean, I, I would hope that they wait and literally wait till like, June just so that they can put out a fully... I, I hope they don't try to rush it to get it out. Because like, they've done a really great job of getting them out really fast, and they've been really good. So if they continue that, hey, great. Sooner's better than later. But if it, it, I would rather them take the time and do it right than try and just spit it out yeah. really quick. I just hope that if they do that, that they just put out a patch where the level cap goes up. No, I think level cap needs to be their next And then they need to put it on in June and up the level cap again. Well, and that's the thing yeah. is I think from what I've seen and read, like it, it does seem like that increase. I think it's coming, and I don't think it's going to be tied into any other content, which will be just nice sort of a bounce for everybody. And and that's interesting you mentioned the, the level 35 entry because one of the things I heard consistently about this DLC was that it was considered by most people to be harder than the other ones but then a lot of the a lot of that was saying that you know when you jump in at level 30 like you did in the other ones this just seems more difficult so maybe that was just a problem of them not being level level 35 yeah the creatures right off the bat are all level 35 just to start so i i it certainly was intentional Hmm. so i didn't find it to be terribly challenging but i mean i played the first playthrough to kind of play the content and you wonder level 50 fighting things at a level 35 I shoot them with my pistol and they die. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not... <laughs> no, I did try it out a little bit on true Vault Hunter mode, though. And everything's level 50 it or 51, and it, I could barely even get past the first part. I mean, yeah, obviously, I true Vault Hunter mode's made for, you know, at least two or three people. It is. I've been playing some of the Mr. Torg on true Vault Hunter mode, and it's really hard. It's fun, though. Yeah. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to... Hopefully, you know, the next one will be, uh, uh, you know... Uh, uh, more kind of I, I would just prefer something more like Torg where it's more I, I mean I like this it was a change of pace but I'm kind of looking for something a little bit more uh, different in the next one but anyway speaking of uh, coming up later this year um, we talked a little bit uh, you know last time we talked all about you know last year so this time we're going to talk a little bit more about what's coming up this year and what we're looking forward to so um, we have a, a couple of uh, big releases um, a lot yeah, coming up. So um, we had one release already this year. Uh, you know, they, they did the remake for the, the Devil May Cry series came out just uh, um, last week. Um, so a lot of people were kind of iffy about that because it was a big change. But um, I haven't really heard any big reviews about it so far. So uh, you know. I want a big change with that series. I don't know if I just sucked at that game, but man, I tried to just play the first one. I played it for like 10 minutes and I was done. I remember trying to fight the first boss and I'm like, Shot it and stabbed it like Spider. a thousand times, and I I put I took its health down like a quarter of an inch on this like bar that went across my whole TV. I couldn't believe it. I'm like I'm done with this. This is not fun. So I don't know. Maybe I'll like this one. I doubt I'll try it. But yeah, I I, I didn't get I, into that. I just didn't get into that series. I know it's wildly popular with some people. Yeah, and I thought it was fun. I mean, I, I like the idea of something like, you know, and these aren't things that are unique anymore, but at the time, it was a really good-looking game for PS2, and I think that part of that was the fact, and probably Xbox 2, um, the, 
the fact that a lot of the backgrounds were static like it was mm-hmm. you know you were forced into a perspective which allows them to really direct the experience and but really frantic and there are times when you're in the middle of everything where you're just like I don't even really know what's going on I've got 14 <laughs> guys juggled in the air and I've got knives coming out of my shoes and 100 bullets are flying all over the place and so it's kind of frantic and fun but yeah I, I, I mean and this would be what this would have been the fifth one, I guess, if it had been a main sequel. So, I mean, it's been around for a while, so I, I'm curious to see what ends up being the thing that's supposed to differentiate it from the games that came before it. You've got other crazy games you can play, like Azura's Wrath, you can play Bayonetta. So, you know, is this along those lines, or is it going to yeah. be something kind of unique? Because I'm not hearing a whole lot, like Mike said. The suggestion I heard was that the change is going to be more in the visual style than in the gameplay. The, the gameplay is, I think, what made the game popular. I don't think they could really change that too much, no, although they have to modernize it's it. It's definitely a new look for the, the main character, Dante. I mean, yeah. he's got you know black hair now. He looks more kind of people described him as more of an emo character rather than the, the kind of you know typical Japanese you know uh, with the white kind of goth guy, sticky hair, you know, and everything. Yeah, he's definitely <laughs> kind of got that more of a look to him. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I figure if they just redo the look, but it's still the same game, I don't understand why people would complain that much. But I guess if you're really kind of bent on this character, you might kind of like the way he looks. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll just see how that goes. All right. So then uh, um, in February, we got a couple of uh, uh, big releases as well. First up is Dead Space 3, which we talked a little bit about already, um, which has been kind of interesting because they did add um, the co-op into that. So there's been a lot of different feelings on on that on whether or not it'll change kind of the feel of of the game because it does have this whole kind of isolationist you know horror idea to it so will sticking another player in there kind of uh change the feel of it but i i find it's interesting they said that you know it really is kind of up to you that you can play through the whole game single player and you get one experience and then the experience is very different playing with um another person which i think is interesting because it adds a replayability to it but also I think it, it leaves that original kind of feel for those just plain uh, Dead Space kind of fans. But then also they, they're adding in a lot more open areas because you're actually on a planet rather than on a, a space station or a spaceship like in the first two. Um, so there's a lot more open areas, which a lot of people are, are kind of iffy about. Uh, the so. confinement was a big part of those games, yeah. right? No, absolutely. And, and of course the whole like the horror thing, it, it does kind of seem a little bit less of a horror game when you got a buddy sitting there playing through it with you, but... I still think you can still get those same kind of experiences, and and one thing I actually uh, heard about that I saw was really interesting is you know both your characters kind of like in the second game where you know Isaac is kind of dealing with his insanity, so there's a lot of times where you see things that aren't really actually there because you know your character's going crazy. Um, in the third one, it's kind of similar with that, although both characters are kind of going through it differently. Mm-hmm. So there will be times where you see things on your screen that aren't really there, but yet you're partner who's playing on a different screen with a different character doesn't see that stuff so i think in that it does still kind of create that whole okay i'm seeing this kind of creepy stuff but he's not so i wonder if that would be an interesting kind of thing to kind of still keep that same gameplay but yet add in the co-op i I still thought it was kind of an interesting idea but well and and that's a fun idea to think that you know jared and i could be playing together and then all of a sudden his character starts shooting at the wall and jared starts screaming over his headset so, so that, that yeah i mean i guess the potential is there that would be that, creepy. that could be a lot of fun if your friend starts screaming over the headset that would be pretty creepy because one thing you're right i think one thing that the second one has done better than the first one is that it's not so much just about 
you know, these monster closets where, cause you get to the point in that first game where you're three quarters of the way in you, everything is telegraphed. Like, you know, okay, that panel is something's going to get, Oh, there it is. It got mm-hmm. me. So I, I like in the second <laughs> one, there's a lot more, you know, you turn a corner and something scurries away and it never shows up again. So I like the idea that like weird, creepy stuff like that happens that doesn't ultimately lead to something just ah, jumping over your shoulder. Like, because you can only do that so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, so it, it is nice to to find other weird, messed up things that can happen, and you know, just yeah. a shadow gets thrown a certain way, and you, and it's nothing. And well, you know, yeah, that's what I also liked in the second one. How with the fact that you're going crazy, there's stuff that'll pop out in the middle of nowhere because just all of a sudden you start seeing something, and you don't know right away that it's just your character hallucinating. As far as you know, some creature just popped out. I mean, it still very kind of makes you jump a little bit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, how they do that. Um, with the third one. Um, also coming out the same day as Dead Space 3, um, which I doubt they'll deal too much with competition. Very different series. Uh, the new Sly Cooper, Thieves in Time, comes out. I've never really... I don't know if you guys have had any experience with the Sly Cooper series. No, I just missed it, and it looks it always looks great. And that's a lot of people were really excited about it, because apparently it has this huge following. Uh, I guess I just totally missed out on it as well. But they're all really excited about it. I think it's the first time they came out with one of these games on this console that wasn't just a, a re-release or well, something. They just so. did a re-release of like an, the, the, trilogy. the HD trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of excitement surrounding that. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll check this one out. We'll see. Um, then, on the 12th, is a game that I'm really looking forward uh, to in February. is Aliens Colonial Marines. You know, we just got done talking yeah. about Borderlands 2. And my feeling is if, if Gearbox can even do half as successful as they did with Borderlands with the Aliens series, uh, I think it's going to be an amazing game. So And uh, I hope so. You know, I used to play this um, Half-Life mod. That was uh, Marines versus Aliens, mm-hmm. uh, multiplayer team battle, and it was really cool. And uh, in my mind, this is a new version of that. I hope that's what it is. Like, I, I feel like multiplayer in this could be really cool if they mm-hmm. do this in Aliens versus Marines multiplayer yeah. kind of thing. Well, that's what I'm really looking forward to. It can't be to. any worse than Aliens versus Predator yeah. <laughs> multiplayer. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to the something like that if that happens. That that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. But there's a part of me that's just nervous this game is going to bomb. It's gone through a lot of different development problems. You know, it got almost dropped for a time and then yeah. picked back up by somebody else. And uh, I just really want it to be good and I'm kind of worried that it won't yeah. It won't be. But I, I want to check it out. Well, that's an interesting follow-up too because if you think about, you know, we hold Gearbox on this pedestal right now because of their most recent release, which is, you know, just across the board, just this fantastic experience. But let's keep in mind, too, that the game they released before that was Duke Nukem Forever, which is maybe one of the worst games that's come out in a really long Never. time. Yeah. Again, that game was in gestation for 13 or 14 years. And so. that was also a remake of an already popular series. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't put a lot of blame on them for that, but you're right. It does seem like the kind of title that could go one way or another and i haven't heard a lot about hands-on impressions mm-hmm. of stuff so it looks either. great and this is the canonical sequel to aliens right so this yes. is part of it the takes main story place line. i think they said seven months after it's basically another ship shows up because they they talk about how in the second movie you know they talk about calling for rescue calling for backup basically well you're that ship that shows up as backup and they've said that there's a lot of characters from the second game or the second movie aliens that you will see in the game there's a lot of people where you're not really sure what happens to them. You technically think they die, but right. all you really saw was their headset go out. 
So they said some of those people, you'll find out what really happened to them, whether they, you know, they really did die, they got infested, and some might even actually pop up in the game still walking and talking. So um, everybody's really kind of curious to see that. Um, they worked very closely with the developers, so it's it's going to be, you know, locked in with the storyline of it. Um, yeah, so I am kind of worried. It is, I think it's also one of those games that there's a lot of people expecting a lot out of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So I feel that even if it is a, a pretty good game, it's not going to get that good of reviews because I think people are hoping it's going to be amazing and are holding it to that high expectation. Because number one, you have the Aliens franchise, which is really big and popular. Obviously. And number two, you have Gearbox coming fresh off of their success with Borderlands 2. So I also hope that their development of Borderlands 2 didn't maybe interfere with them not putting as much effort into Like this aliens. was the B-team that made this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they've been doing a great job with their DLC for Borderlands 2, so I'm hoping, yeah, that they, you know, divvied out enough of their really great talent to do both games really well. So. I also really want to have something happen when you die. What's going to have to happen on the screen? Oh, you're gonna have like uh, something pop game out of your over, chest. Game over, man. <laughs> oh, game no. over. That has to be the game over. Yeah, well, well you never hey, the name of an You might run into Hicks. You never know. So, I know that's got to be at least an achievement. Or not right? Hicks. Uh, what is, he's Hudson, right? Yeah. yeah. So you might run into him. He might, you know, do a couple of quotes. You never. I'm just know. saying. It's I gotta, think he's in some of the promo artwork. It's got to happen. I feel like I saw a standee or something at a game store. Well, I think you can get but, like uh, multiplayer skin skins. For, so yeah, yeah, if you pre-order him through GameStop, you get a bunch of the characters from the second movie That's as like skins. skins. But really I think cool. it's just for multiplayer. That's cool. All right. So uh, anyway, it'll be interesting to see. It's got to um, fit in somehow, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, then uh, further on in February in the 19th, Crisis 3 comes out. Um, so another very popular series. Um, I mean, this is, it's kind of, we're seeing a, definitely a continuation at the beginning of the year with a lot of the uh, sequels, remakes, um, you know. It's so, kind of a console generation. I yeah, I, 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 you know, as we'll, we'll talk about in just a little bit, a lot of people are feeling that we're coming to the end of this console generation, which... It's actually been one of the longest console generations ever, so it'll yeah. be interesting to see. These machines were just so powerful. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they're I, still pushing them. They're also just so expensive that yeah. you know the companies weren't ready to go and start spending all this money to make new ones because they just spent all this money getting these well, out. People so. weren't going to be willing to probably spend money to buy new ones, too. They yeah. were expensive to the consumer as well. Oh, right? absolutely, yeah. So uh, Crisis 3, um, I once again, another one of the series that I'm not very familiar with but has a huge following. Um, this one is kind of interesting because it's going to take place in a... A futuristic New York City that I guess is overgrown with jungle, so it's going to kind of mix a jungle kind of, you know, feel of it's stealthy, but you're actually in a city, which seems kind of cool. And of course, you know, they add in the bow and arrow because you know everything needs a bow and arrow right now. That's the new popular. Yes, thank thing. you, Hunger Games and <laughs> Avengers. You know, it's like, yeah. But every every new game and movie <laughs> seems to like their every game has to add in. Now you get a bow and arrow with this yeah. in here. So. I don't know. We'll see how that goes, but uh, I, I might be interested to try that one out too, or maybe even go back and play the the first two because they they seem to be um, a pretty successful. Yeah, series. maybe my computer now can play it. That's crazy. I was going to say those were always the ones that pushed. Well, the they're on console. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know, but they when they the ones on computer like you had to have the most high tech computer. Well, they look. Existed. The third one looks gorgeous. I yeah. mean, it's like the you can. I mean, which a lot of people were wondering if it was going to be a next gen. But, I'm um, still one of them. It's pretty. It's it's February, so it's only a month from now. Yeah. February nineteenth, less than a month. <laughs> Who knows? So I mean, unless somebody just has, you know, unless they've done the best job of hiding, you know, the fact that they're <laughs> done with the consoles, I don't know. 
Anyway, uh, moving into March, beginning of March, March 5th, um, we have the Tomb Raider remake coming out, which I, I'm kind of curious about this one. I've never yeah. really been... I was kind of a Tomb Raider fan way back when in the beginning, and then after a while I just got kind of tired of it. They just kept pumping out all these Tomb Raider games. Yeah. So I'm kind of excited to see them redoing it, making it a little bit more realistic, a little bit more gritty. Uh, a lot of people are saying it looks just like Uncharted with a girl, but I, I kind of feel like, what's wrong with that? Right, why is that bad? Right. Who yeah. doesn't want more Uncharted? Yeah. And, and you know, the storyline looks kind of interesting, and, you know, uh, it looks like they're really trying to capture a very emotional, very kind of, you know, story-driven, very cinematic kind of game. So I, I'm all for it. And, of course, you get a bow and arrow, because... You yeah, do, gotta have a bow and arrow. How about that? Yeah, so uh, that'll be interesting. And, and they've been talking about they're going to add a multiplayer to it as well now. They're starting to hint at that uh, and release some stuff about that. So it looks like it could be kind of interesting. Um, and then the 12th, uh, we have God of War Ascension. Now, I, 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 I'm going to admit, I, I have no idea. I mean, I've seen screenshots and read mm -hmm. a little bit. Like, what is the conceit of this game? Like, this is what? a prequel. It takes well, okay. place... Pre Pre-white skin. Pre-dead family ashes dead, on your body. Yeah. This it's is when he's working for people. the gods, right? Yeah, Basically. So people are people are worried about this game that it's not going to feel like God of War. Because chances are, if it's pre-working for the gods, I don't know that you're going to have the chain blades. Well, no, I think this is, when he's, this is when he first starts working for the gods. Yeah, I so I, yeah, so people are... This is before, like... I'm excited. He becomes, yeah, all, like, kills his family. I think yeah, I wonder if he'll do that in this. Which, that's not a spoiler. That's from the first game, which is ten years old. So. Yeah, if you haven't gotten to that yet, that's... Sorry. Right. That's what he's white. It's the ashes of his dead family but he murdered. This bah. this kind of goes along with Dead Space 3 in that they're introducing a uh, multiplayer to it, which a lot of people are sitting there... I don't know how they're going to do that. But it's going to be very different. Um, oh, you mean like a like a... It's, cooperative yes like it's a, a co-op co multiplayer and you but the interesting thing is you can kind of make your character very different from everybody else so you pick a, a like a, a god that you serve as your that's your you know you are a servant of that god and because of that your powers are different kind of your your fighting style is different so it looks like it could be kind of interesting i don't know we'll see it could just be a, a total flop or it could be like the mass effect 3 uh, multiplayer which uh, blew everybody out of the water so yeah we'll we'll, we'll look and see what kind well, of comes of it but the single player at least though it's more god of war so i'm excited yeah. i played that entire franchise and every game has been just really fun yeah you know yeah is it vulgar sure yeah is it like you know over the top war? <laughs> totally but in terms of gameplay and fun it, they, they've just been mm -hmm. really good and they continue to ramp them up so i'm i'm expecting a lot because mm -hmm. they've continued to improve these games a lot as they've gone along. But I'm excited. And I guess it's weird. I think for me, it, there's something about... And, you know, this is... I don't think this is the fault of anybody. I mean, it, these are... It, a successful game franchise. I mean, you're going to keep it going. You're not going to retire this mythology and these characters. Because it's 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 obviously a, a big money maker. If you look at it from the business standpoint. But it's like, there's just something about... And maybe movies have trained us this way. That once you hit the third of something, usually a lot of ends are tied up. And then, so just to hear about, like, Halo 4. I hear, you know, just to see that name. It's like, huh... That looks okay, and you know, if we get a Mass Effect four, there's just something about that. I don't know, maybe it's the weird like Pirates of the Caribbean four. Mm, did we need that? Well, this is I don't know. This, well, they didn't call yeah. this four, so you know, it just called Ascension. Ascension. Yeah, so yeah. Well, maybe just, that's why they're avoiding it. They're worried about the 
the no, four. and I think that is three is the magic number, whether it be movies or video games or whatever. You know, they kind of think like trilogy is is where you've kind of hit your you know mm-hmm. okay. You need, then after that, you're kind of beating the dead horse. You know, so to well, speak. Well, and maybe so. part of it too is the weird. You know, to see, I guess Gears of War is kind of unique in the fact that they were able to put together a trilogy of really well-received games that existed within the frame of a single console cycle because not even Halo did that. I mean, that bridged generations. So, granted, this has been a really, really long generation, so maybe something to go beyond that. Maybe that's what feels weird about it. But, like I said, there's there's no reason why you wouldn't keep making these games. I mean, it's only going to happen if you screw up big time and realize that you, yeah. you, made, you made Resident Evil 6, and now, there, you made Resident <laughs> Evil 6. Well, that can happen, too, though. I think there are certain games that, once you jump consoles and you get these advances, those games kind of don't make sense anymore. Like, they, they make, you know, they work within a certain console generation, but to continue that kind of gameplay when there's so many advances, it no longer is viable. Right. So, I think you see that sometimes, and, that, and that'll happen, but this is not, I don't think, in that realm. You know, I mean, this is still the game that other games are compared Absolutely. to. You know, like, this is the game that people clone because it's so good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that'll be a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, um, yeah, that's definitely one to look forward to. And something that I'm really looking forward to comes out on the same day is uh, the next uh, StarCraft II uh, uh, installment, which is the Heart of the Swarm. So it introduces the Zerg. I'm, I don't know, I've been always a little bit weird about the way that Blizzard is releasing StarCraft 2, yeah. how the first one, the campaign was only, of course you can play with all three races when it comes to multiplayer, but I just, I, I haven't really heard much about the campaign, how long it is, but I feel like if you're only going to release one race per game and have it still be a $60 full price game, that campaign better be pretty darn good, because for you to only get to play as one race, it just seems a little kind of a, almost... A money-making scheme in a weird way, but I don't know. It depends. I, I, I've, I, StarCraft Two is one of those ones that I've really wanted to play and haven't got a chance to. I loved the first one; couldn't get enough of it. But I don't know. We'll see. I, I understand what you're saying, but to that point, I will say, people will buy it. No, well, yes. Therefore, they are justified to sell it. Like, if I, that sounds ridiculous, maybe, but like, if people are willing to to pay for it, then it's not an unviable thing like it clearly is worth it to these people mm-hmm. so and i mean and, and this is a, this is a company that it, you know they're they're in a position where they could essentially do anything really literally anything could, yeah they're they're executives you know at one point i remember talking about after the the main title launched which is super highly anticipated was saying that you know we're looking at a model whereby you might be able to download the cinematics that happen between gameplay and just get those combined as a single movie and we feel like we could charge upwards of 30 35 maybe 40 dollars for that and you know part of the internet sort of went into a rage about that but then at the same time i mean this is a company that you know fosters diablo and this is a company that runs warcraft i mean they can they can do anything they want to so (laughs) unless they're not hurting serious no although world of warcraft bankroll is just can do whatever they want. Yeah, they could. They every everything else could just completely stink and be horrible as long as they still got WoW supplying them with a steady monthly but, fee. You know, but the StarCraft two was very well received. No, I mean it too. did really well, and you know, like I said, I'm really excited to play it. So I I, I, I have no doubt that that's the one thing I do like is like Blizzard isn't exactly slacking off. Like no. you know, the games they're releasing, they're taking their time, they're doing it right. They're releasing, you know, great games, so I'm not worried about it being bad. The only thing I'm, I would just, I'm just curious as to, you know, 
Yeah. What is the cause for that? I mean, no, I know. unless it, they're it just is... really putting a lot of effort into these campaigns, which I don't know. Maybe hopefully I'll try and be I like, mean, okay, I understand why they sold these separately. Now, if sense. you have a team that's your team, I mean, what, what race do you play? Oh, I'm Protoss. I like building a whole bunch of big battleship carriers and just launching little, like, uh, the, the, what are those little interceptors that they have? Just, <laughs> and then I kick on the Imperial March as I'm sending them across the map. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, uh, I'm still looking forward to it though. I still love StarCraft, and it, it should still be a great game. Then on 19th, uh, like uh, Chris was just mentioning, the uh, Gears of War series come out with their next one, which is a prequel yes! just to, like God of War, uh, Judgment. Judgment. So this should be pretty interesting um, because they're leaving behind Marcus and Dom, and it's going to be a prequel. So it's going to take place right after E Day, right after the 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 locusts appear on the planet, and. Uh, it's going to focus more on Baird and Cole, which I don't think a lot of people are against because I think everybody was really a lot Baird more fan of Baird and Cole than Marcus and Dom anyway. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, and also, of course, they're introducing a cool new multiplayer uh, called Overrun. Yes. Which I think Overrun everybody is awesome. just thrilled about. It's basically Horde meets uh, Beast Mode, and it's uh, five, four on four, five on... It's four on four, I think. Uh... Um, it's a class-based yeah. uh, versus, which and it, but there's like an objective to it as well. You have a, a base that you're protecting if you're humans, and you have a base that you're trying to, and of course you're trying to destroy the base if you're locusts. And you can, much like in beast mode where the locusts had all these different kind of abilities and stuff as you pick them, now the humans have different abilities, whether it be a healer or a sniper or a soldier. Um, so, I don't know, it looks just really interesting, a lot of fun. I love the fact that they just keep upping the multiplayer on each of these games and yeah. making it that much better and better and um yeah and even then i mean the first the the or the the campaign is still really well done too so i mean this is one of those series where i'm fine if they want to make five six seven eight games as long as they keep well they've already committed what they're to doing six, so right they said this is a new trilogy so they've already committed to making oh i didn't hear this, that yeah they said this is a standalone <laughs> trilogy that's going to be separate from the originals trilogy that's they said that's standalone this is now standalone also. So they said they're making at least three of these. Which, yeah, make a million. I don't care. I love it. Keep as long as you can keep up with what you're doing. Yeah, well, they, they have so as far. As long as they don't end up with a Resident Evil 6. They have right? so far. So <laughs> if they uh, just made it two trilogies of three, they wouldn't have had that problem. Yeah. Maybe. Probably maybe, they, maybe they'll learn from uh, Epic. So, yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're, I think we're all looking forward to that very much. Then on the 26th, uh, a game... Uh, that I'm kind of curious about is the the new Army of Two, the Devil's Cartel. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, we played the, uh, me and Jared played through actually the first game together, um, which was a lot of fun. I think we enjoyed that one. It was kind of yeah, one that was a little surprising. It was an incredible game, but it was, but it was very fun. enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Um, then the second one came out, and we, we that one kind of lost us a little bit, just with the way yeah. the controls worked and, and um, just how the gameplay was. Definitely was not like um, the first game, but this new one is, is a new company doing it different way. It's new characters, even though the characters from the first game, first two games are in it. They're in it, yeah. Um, you play as two new characters, um, and it's kind of interesting. The characters are just Alpha and Bravo. They're not like um, Salem and uh, what was the other guy's name? I don't know. Eh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, they're not giving them names and backstories and all this kind of stuff because they want it to be where you are this character. It's kind of more of a, a role-playing experience, I guess, if you will. And, um, uh, you know, they really want you to be kind of become this character. And uh, it's, it's a very different kind of gameplay, very different look. They upped the graphics, the engine. Um, everything's destructible. 
Um, it looks really, really interesting. Um, they have this cool new, uh, you know, they talked about with one of the best things about the first two games that everybody liked were the back-to-back moments. Yeah. You know, where it's kind of that slow-mo bullet time. Um, well, they the thing is everybody liked that, but they didn't like the fact that there was only really like two or three parts in each game that you yeah, got to do lot. it. So in this one, you have a, an overkill meter, where as you're killing stuff and as just chaos is happening, your overkill meter builds up. And then once you hit this highest point, you can unleash this, and then it goes into this ultra-destroy-everything kind of mode, where it's kind of like that back-to-back, but you have the freedom of triggering it whenever you kind of want. Um, so I, I think it looks pretty cool. It'll yeah. definitely one to check out when it, when it um, gets a little closer and when it comes out. Um, I think it'll be one that um, a lot of people will be kind of happy about the change. You know, A lot of people were iffy about how this new company would take it, but I, I think it's looking pretty good. So um, well, that will be one that we'll have to check out as well. And then on that same day, uh, a game that eh, I'm not really that interested in, and I'm sure you guys are, is uh, Bioshock Infinite. How are you not excited about this? <laughs> they lost... I, I liked one, but I was not as into it as everybody else was. It was fun, and that was... I played through it once, and I was like, okay, that was good. And I, I never even tried to, because frankly, I just didn't really have the interest. I know, I'm one of those weirdos that is not all Bioshock worshipping. No, no, but Chris, I know this is probably one of your most anticipated Yeah, titles. this is a, this is probably the only game in the first quarter that I really am kind of set on um, on checking out right at launch. It's one of those things where you consider, like, yeah, I might want to plan ahead to being sick the Wednesday after that comes out. <laughs> but, um... And, and, Why not and the Tuesday? Of, uh, you can do the midnight the, release. The pro tip for <laughs> right. everybody today, I just uh, heard on Twitter the other day that um, if you pre-order this game through the Microsoft Store, you get 1,600 Microsoft points. So mm. it's like free 20 bucks to use on uh, Wow, Microsoft that's kind of nice. That's a pretty good nice. deal, which Amazon usually gives you a 10 or $15 credit pre-ordering stuff. But yeah. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, there is a part of me that is a little nervous because there's been articles that have been coming out lately in Wired and some other magazines that are... It's it's making this out to be the second coming of God on Earth, and it's you know that I I hope expectations are somewhat kept in check, but because it would be really unfortunate if this does come out and ends up being this really amazing, awesome experience, but it just couldn't hold up under the weight of what people are expecting, and and the studio Irrational is really playing into it. I mean, they're just saying this is going to be this. Really, nothing like this has ever happened before, even our other games. And the way I heard um, their director, Ken Levine, talk about it was, you know, you can you can have an experience that's really, really broad and appeals to a lot of people, but it's very, very shallow. Um, and that would be something like the Twilight series. It applies to a lot of people, but there's not a lot to it. But then you could have something like the Harry Potter world, which is both broad in its appeal, but is actually very deep too, and has a lot of characters and mythology and history. So they're 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 going wide and deep is what they're shooting for. But you know, this does seem like it's in a very specific time frame with specific mechanics and a specific art style. So I think there are people that just won't be grabbed by it. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I can't see that anything's going to come out about this that's going to make me less than totally excited to pick it up day one. I'm sorry. Did you just reference Twilight on our podcast? I did. But it's something crappy. It's okay. Context. Uh, I, Context I, I, is uh, everything. Uh, that's uh, right. Um, anywho. And, uh, you know, one of the things I thought was really interesting <laughs> is I've seen some gameplay footage of this. And not only is it is it quite stunning visually, just to start... Um, the gameplay, when I compare it to the older games, really frantic. Yeah. Really fast, which I thought was compelling. I'm just, I wasn't even playing it. I was watching it, 
and I was kind of like could feel the jitters that I would have been feeling playing it. I, you know, like there are games that are that. I feel like that game's gonna make your heart pound. Yeah. That and from the gameplay, that's cool. I felt like the first. I mean, the first one was was frantic at times. I felt there was times where you're kind of like literally like, oh, what do I need to throw? Especially like I, big daddy encounters and stuff would definitely. This wasn't kind of get one of those ready. big encounters. He was just fighting regular dudes. Yeah. Think about what it's gonna be like when you get, get to yeah. the, the big guns. But I, I think that's oh. kind of the, the feel of them. I, I think in a way they do kind of throw you into these situations where you just have all this crap coming at you, and that's the reason why they give you all these different guns and powers and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was one of the things I, I don't know at the end of it. That was one of my problems with it is that those, those times were kind of cool, but eventually you got to this point in the game where you were this just superhuman, ridiculously powered person where no matter what they threw at you, even a big daddy, you were just like, ah, I'm just going to kill you with all these cool powers I have. And it was almost kind of took away from the difficulty. Like the final boss, I didn't even have a problem with him. Because of the fact, like, I had all this crap that I could throw at him. Yeah. I, I would have felt... That, that I, encounter was pretty terrible. I would have like, rather that it was a little bit mm-hmm. to where you had to kind of more pick and choose what you, to be a little bit more strategic in what you're using, not to where you're just this godlike being that's just raining down lightning on everybody. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Interesting. I'd love to see if they have any of the moral choices from the first one. You know, the whole, like... Harvest. Save or harvest. Yeah. The little sisters kind of stuff, too. That would be, be fun. But that was another thing I didn't like, is they gave you this moral choice, but really... Were the choices really that different? Did it really change that much? I mean, it just changed how much of the atom that you got. But in the end, you know, it was kind of it wasn't a little bit of a difference. It was. I mean, it was a. I, I think it was a very binary ending. It's like you you get this or you get this. It wasn't a lot of gradients in that. And no. It's the sort of thing. That, I mean, it, you kind of have to because it's like, well, uh, you know, I didn't kill all sixteen kids. I only killed two. I'm kind of a good person. So I yeah. I mean, I guess you kind of have to go that way or the other, but. Um, I, one of the things I have to say about this, I'm just really excited is that they've been very clear that this other character that you have with you, Elizabeth, who has these weird powers of time travel and we don't even really understand what it is yet. Um, even though she's with you all the time, no aspect of this is ever going to be an escort mission because if we have to do an episode, which we may do in the future of the 15 things that can disappear from video games forever and I won't shed a tear, it's anything that involves me having to keep something else alive or escort something. I absolutely hate that. Nothing will get me to bounce out of a side quest faster than if it involves having to manage the health meter of something that's not me. Like I just, that is the most annoying thing in games for me. Because your escort is always a dumbass. Yeah, it's like the most ridiculous thing yeah exactly i'm gonna stop here in the middle of world war three to tie my shoes or whatever the conceit is and you know and that was something that you know it kind of held me up a little bit in bioshock 2 and that you know you would have these little sisters running around with you because you were a big daddy harvesting adam from these corpses and you'd basically have these little encounters where you're in a room and okay i know the whole world's about to open up on me so let me set my traps and let me get ready for this and the thing was, those were never so difficult that you felt like there was any huge consequence to it. But yeah, man, I'm just I'm excited that she's more of a companion, something mm-hmm. to bounce dialogue off of, someone who's going to help you out in right, your ability. She can give you like ammo and stuff. Absolutely, right? like, and I think out. that's really cool because these games do allow you to control the pacing a little bit in the fact that a big daddy would never attack you unless you attacked it first. And I think that some of the game from what I've seen of Bioshock Infinite is that. You know, you can go into certain areas, and as long as you don't cause trouble or pull your weapons out, similar to some of the Elder Scrolls games, like, everybody would just kind of keep their eye on you and not really do anything. So when you're ready to go in guns blazing, that's when everything, like Jared said, becomes, like, incredibly frantic. 
And this has the added thing of you can also fall to your death from hundreds of miles above the ground. So that's kind of Well, cool. that was something that I saw interesting about Bioshock Infinite that I was kind of curious about is with the first two games, you're in these, you know, places that have pretty much, you know, gone through these catastrophic events. Right. So it's it's pretty desolate. While in Infinite, it's, it's you know, that kind of event hasn't happened. Right. So you're well, in I a city that's thriving with a population. Is happening. You're in the middle of you're it. You're in the middle of it. Yeah, but it's it's not to the point where, you know, it's you walk around in these, you know, ghost towns. Like, it's a populace. You know, there's people everywhere, yeah. you know. It's, Listen, I thought that was, yeah. it's a different kind of feel. You know, of course, also, they're moving up to the sky rather than down in the water, which a lot of people are kind of iffy it's about. It's still encapsulated, though, because of the yeah. way they built it. So yeah, so uh, I, I'm curious to see how that kind of changes the gameplay of it though the fact that you're not walking through this kind of you know area that's just been riddled with bodies and, and warfare and walking through more of a place that's actually a, a vibrant community yeah no, absolutely so yeah. well we'll see i'm really looking forward to it and, you know speaking of bioshock 2 this is a, a recommendation that i don't know where this would come from anywhere else but since we're talking about it uh bioshock most people think was a great game but not everybody bioshock 2 almost everybody would say not as good a game or i hated it but there was a, a standalone <laughs> dlc that came out for the second bioshock called minerva's den that was one of the best video game experiences that i've had of like the last 10 years it's just this little downloadable thing you could probably play through it in five or six hours maybe less than that different character than who you play in the main game this little standalone slice that involves um basically the the computer system that would run rapture the city under the water which again you would think this is this is a system from the 50s and 60s so mm -hmm. a computer would be something that would take up you know many 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 rooms not like what we have in our living rooms now uh so just and i can't really say much of anything about the story but the 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 protagonist and the other characters involved were like a hundred times more interesting than anything else in that game. So had that been released separately, I guess they could have just sort of shuffled Bioshock 2 off to the side and that could have just been its own game. But it made me think of something like Portal where you can tell a really good story in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. um, so if anybody's interested and hasn't played through that, you, you need to check out Minerva's Den. It's super sweet. Right, like Portal, Mike, right? Yeah. That yeah, game Portal. that Mike's going to play. Anyway, so the, <laughs> the next month in May, um, we have a, a one that I'm just super excited for on the 7th is uh, Last of Us, which is the new Naughty Dog game. Uh, it's, Naughty Dog. Uh, you know, it's another zombie game, but with a little bit of a twist to it. Kind of. Yeah, and, and, and what's really interesting is, the, if you guys haven't heard, the zombies are basically, there's this fungus that uh, basically infests people and turns them into these kind of mindless slaves and they actually found this off of a there's an actual fungus that infests life insects. forms different kind of insects and stuff and it actually makes them like go and uh, almost kind of kill themselves i guess to spread this fungus that's terrifying by the way yeah and so i guess this in in the storyline there's one of these fungus and it, it adapts to humans so you get all these humans that are now infested with these this fungus and um uh, it's really interesting in the, in the uh, you know because you uh, of course there is that aspect to it so the whole world is kind of you know gone through this catastrophic uh, catastrophic event and is kind of repo uh, recovering from it um, but interesting also on top of that is you know yeah you're dealing with these zombies and, and all this kind of stuff but uh, I think the main kind of villain it seems like what you've seen at least in a lot of the trailers and whether or not this will be true in the game is actually other people because of the fact that society is degraded to this you know fighting for themselves kind of lifestyle that now everybody is you have to worry more about other people than you do about these zombie things in a way and i'm um, also in a lot of the newer trailers they show there actually are cities and, and actually somewhat of a civilization going on in here too so um 
it looks like it's just going to be a really interesting kind of story and and, um, and just the gameplay of it is just the, the way it, it just goes depending on what path you choose and maybe what you're standing nearby everything is uh, you know contextual which really really looks cool but um, I don't know about you guys but yeah I, I'm definitely excited and, and you know Naughty Dog obviously did really really well with Uncharted so I, I don't think that we're too worried about them screwing this one up so not really I, I, I'm really anticipating it, and, and one of the things, and I think you're right, I think one of the interesting things they've already set up is the idea that among this world of monsters, the worst monster is the other people, which is kind of awesome, and I, I'm I'm intrigued to see, because they're really good storytellers, mm-hmm. we've seen that, is if they can build a bit good story within that, and they could elevate this game to something we've never seen. Yeah, and it's you know what's interesting about their games, and you know, because I mean, I I was a big fan of the Jack and Daxter series of platformers. Oh yeah, and those were just really fun. You know, I never got as much into like the Sly Coopers, and I, I like the Ratchet and Clank games, but I really like the Jack and Daxter ones, and I think it's because of their character designs and their writing, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it that studio I feel like with things like the Uncharted series, they're they're able to get a, away with these pretty ridiculously scripted games where, you know, it, it it has in common with something like a Call of Duty where a lot of what you're seeing is going on, you're just hitting these trigger points and it makes things happen. But it's never a complaint about their games. You're just playing through this amazing sort of crafted experience. That's because you want to the, find the next part. I mean, that's yeah, the thing. It's you the opposite of an open it, world yeah. game. It's a very closed world, but still, it's such a well-fleshed-out world with such interesting characters. Like, it is. It's just... It's it's cool to have something that's just... The narrative is what drives you really, really strongly. Like, you're mm-hmm. having fun playing, but it's just you want to see, like, where they're going to take you next. Like, you're kind of just along for the ride. You're not oh, a yeah. passive participant, <laughs> but you're more passive than in some games. But it's they just do it so well that it's cool that they can, you know, come on the back of some ridiculously popular games in that trilogy of the Uncharted games and, and to throw us something new at us, you know, this late in the console cycle. It's... Thank you for that. We appreciate oh, you yeah. doing something like that for us. No, I mean, and this it looks really interesting. I love just the way um, it, they've they've shown a trailer of this similar kind of playthrough area, and just they showed all the different ways you can be totally stealthy and never run into another person at all. You can go into this room where you know your your companion little girl will pick up a brick that she can use to fight, or you'll go into this room where you'll find like a baseball bat that you can pick up to use. Or I mean, there's so many different ways. And and if you take on a guy over by this desk, you know you'll use a desk to fight him. Or if you take him out over by this window, then you'll throw him out the window. Just the way like how and you've seen and we've seen this in other video games like Uncharted started to use a little bit like when you were doing the melee fighting, there were times where you'd use what was around you. We saw it in some of the Batman games. Um, I love the fact that that games are starting to make it to where it's much more of this fluid, immersive feeling to it, where it's not like Mm -hmm. the world is just something like a green screen that you're just behind, but it's a living thing that you're actually in and that your character interacts with. Um, Looks really, really cool. And of course, it looks, just the look of it, the graphics are amazing. And that's kind of... The interesting thing uh, that we want to talk about next with the the new console generation is, you know, with looking up the releases for this year, we found something interesting in that kind of once we hit May with The Last of Us, that's kind of it. There's not really a whole lot else that's been announced after that. So, of course, with games, you know, lately they've been really, really picky about when they're giving out titles. Um, Like a game that I'm really excited about, um, you know, the Marvel Heroes uh, MMO that's coming out, uh, it's still just saying... 
spring 2013. It's not really giving out a date. Um, and then there's other games that keep getting pushed back, like uh, the um, South Park Stick of the Truth. Um, yeah. Got it was supposed to come out, I think, in March, and then it got pushed back. And part of that is it changed studios, didn't it? I yeah, think so. They yeah, were a yeah, THQ yeah. Title, which I thought I heard Ubisoft might have picked that up, like yeah. just in the last couple of days, which would so be awesome. It's still happening. Yeah. That's good. No, I mean, and that game's pretty much done. So yeah. I think they're just looking for somebody to distribute it, pretty much. Um, but yeah, so you're getting a lot of that. Um, so. Uh, it's kind of interesting that, you know, the, the fact is that, you know, it's just like May, May, Last of Us, and that's it. So a lot of people are speculating, and they've been speculating for a while, that this year is going to be the year of the, the next console generation. And especially even with games like Last of Us, you know, in a lot of the, the previews that people have seen, they look at it and like, that looks way too good to be on a PS3 or Xbox 360. So a lot of people are thinking that it's off of a new console generation and of course the game companies are always kind of denying it or at least just kind of tiptoeing around the question um so you know there's been lots of stipulation but i kind of feel that you know like like we said a lot of game companies didn't really want to move to a new console and i think they were probably right in doing that i think they still had a lot to do but i do kind of feel like with all of the way the games have been released lately like we have seen a lot of you know, sequels, a lot of remakes, not a lot of brand new IPs here and there, but most of the new IPs we see are in the the, you know, the arcade or downloadable variety. So I kind of feel like we are kind of hitting the end of this generation because I feel like a lot of game companies are saving all of their new big stuff for you know, and they you know for the next generation. And also at E3 this year, a lot of the new IPs that they were starting to show off, like uh, um, Watch Dogs, um, Last of Us, uh, Star Wars thirteen thirteen. All of those look, which, of course, Star Wars 13 got pushed back to next year, so that's almost definitely going to be a next-gen. Yeah. But it, it, they're looking way too good to be on these. Suspiciously good. Yes. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, I tend to agree with a lot of the, you know, the, 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 the people out there saying that it's going to be this year. Um, I would guess probably they would go for holidays, you know, just to hit up that holiday thing, but... I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll drop it right in the middle of the summer and just be like, you know, here you go, and try and hit up maybe kids that are off, you know, school, you know, who are going to want to play lots of video games. Uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say because we're, we're reaching this point now where, you know, you, you look at any survey about games and gaming habits and, you know, your average age of what, you know, if you want to use the term hardcore or lifelong or hobbyist, you know, somebody who plays video games as a regular hobby, you know, the average age is something like 38. It's ridiculous. It's It's really... It, it's where we're at. We're in that age range. So now I don't think that game companies and game distributors have to rely so heavily on the idea of like hitting, like you said, that holiday release window where everything is sold as a gift for a younger person who has something bought for them. I mean, the majority of games that are being bought now are, are being bought by the people who are actually playing them. I think just statistically. And one of the things that we've seen the last couple of years is once we kind of broke through free and this was probably what 2009 2010 where we kind of like that was the first time the major studios sort of just broke the holiday cycle and we would get something like you know mass effect in february mm -hmm. or you know like yeah these games these massive games that are just spread throughout the year which is kind of this godsend because you don't want to have to play that roulette at the end of the year where you're like well I can get two games, and there's 27 that I want, so oh, I'm going to miss out on all these games. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I suppose, theoretically, you could get away from that, but, I mean, history's proven that, I, like, every single release ever sort of, like, 
Nintendo handhelds, and Nintendo doesn't play by everybody else's rules anyway, to their detriment <laughs> much of the time. Um, it, it feels like it should be a fall thing, right? Like this would be, mm-hmm. we get the final confirmation at E3 in June or July, whenever that is, in preparation for a couple months after that. But And it's funny because we're, we're coming up on this. It seems like everybody's saying it. You know, developers are saying, we've got the dev kits. We've seen it. These things are amazing. But we still really don't know anything about these machines we don't mm-hmm. have any specs we don't know what they're going to do different from the ones that we have like yeah. th- and that's another thing one of the things that the three of us have talked about before is that you know we're not personally chomping at the bit for these new machines this isn't something that we're dying to have but I except mean, for the fact that it'll make current games a lot cheaper but well and then that's <laughs> right. the thing and, and that that's kind of our mo it's that we're excited that you know maybe we can play catch up with a lot of these experiences but just you know, I mean, to, to spitball, blue sky, like, what what would these machines have to do to get you to consider, you know, dropping what is going to be at least three or $400? I mean, it can't be cheaper than that. Yeah, it just no can't be. Although, I don't know. I've heard a lot of rumors saying that, uh, you know, with the new consoles, that they're actually going to be cheaper than... The last console generation. Okay, but three four hundred is cheaper than the last <laughs> right. console generation. Six hundred dollars. Well, yeah, because what did it, Xbox started off at four, and then yeah, PlayStation, PlayStation started off like at like six, six. five ninety nine. Yes. Yeah, but they dropped off really quick because they realized nobody's no going to pay six hundred dollars yeah. for a console. I think he's still accurate at looking three four at least though. No, I mean, I, but yeah, it's less and more reasonable, but. Yeah, there were rumors around like a 250, 300. I mean, of course, but like I said, this is all rumor. You never know. It could right. come out and they're all like 800 bucks. Right. And it's not unheard of for them to take hits on the the sale of well, the Well, no, console. they do. Right. I mean, they always that's, do. That's typical. Just the uh, the chip of the uh, the um like the the CPU of the Xbox 360 is worth more than the console itself. Yeah. Right. So. And the only I think the only company that's ever sold their hardware at a profit has been Nintendo, and their hardware tends to be like it's older technology that they right. figure out how to Less use expensive. smartly, right. and that's why our freaking NESs still work because these things were durable. You know, they mm-hmm. they figured out how to use old stuff repurposed in a really smart perfect. way. Right. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So and then you know, if we think about, I mean, look at what's happened in the last year or so with things like the free to play models, which we've spoken about before, and subscription based things. I mean, could you envision a system where at you know the new Xbox launches? For forty nine ninety nine, and then you pay a subscription fee every month to have an access to cert- maybe a certain amount, like a certain library. Plus, you know, you, it, it's like a cell phone. You know, you're buying a, a thing at a subsidized rate, which then you pay for over the course of the year. I mean, we all have gold subscriptions, so we're paying an annual fee to have the right to play with each other through our Xbox. PlayStation, we don't have to do that. But could you run a whole console that way? I remember thinking before the Wii came out when it was called the Revolution, that they were saying, oh, we're going to do these crazy things. You guys don't even know. You don't even know what we have planned. And it ended up being motion control. But I remember talking with some friends at the time saying, you know would be cool? What if they released it and the console was just free? What if you could just get it? And then you had to pay for the experience, however that mm-hmm. worked. You know, like, oh, you know, would I pay $40 a month if it not only gave me, you know, all this online bells and whistles, but also access to, you know, a, a library or expanded thing. I, I guess at this point, we don't even have to necessarily say it's going to work the same business-wise as it's worked with before. It could be something totally different. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I heard a rumor, actually, a lot of people were wondering if eventually the consoles will follow kind of this b- 
browser-based gameplay that's hitting computers to the point where the console is literally just going to be like a receiver. Right. They won't have all this CPU stuff, so it will be this cheap little box that you can buy. And the only thing is, is it just has a code that receives whatever it is that game company is, you know, or the the you know producers of the console is sending out. So it'd almost be like you're just hooking up to a browser, mm-hmm. um, which would be you know kind of interesting. It would be nice if you got this cheap little box that didn't have all this really expensive hardware in it that you always have to worry about breaking or overheating or melting or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I'm willing to bet with this console generation, it's going to be just a better computer in a way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll just be interesting to see what kind of new stuff they add in. I'm sure Xbox, it'll probably come, I'm guessing it would probably come with a Kinect or, or whatever kind of motion sensor uh, thing. Yeah, I think they've spoken about that, 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 that that'll be integrated, be integrated yeah, into yeah. the hardware. Yeah, not to see how PlayStation tries to integrate into that as well because obviously their technology of move was inferior yeah i i would almost say playstation might want to just i don't even know if they should even try to do the motion because of the fact that xbox and and we have got it so kind of capitalized i feel like unless they can come up with something that is 100 percent better than at least one or the other whether it be the wii u or the um, you know the connect. Uh, I feel like they should probably just say yeah. it's not worth spending the money on, and maybe think of something different. Like, hey, you know, I mean, of course they have the Blu-ray, which automatically gives them a little up in that. But maybe think of something else that they could do that would maybe put them, a, you know, so that people would be like, oh, you know, these two have the motion control, but this one has, you know, PlayStation has this, you know, whatever that might be. Yeah. Well, I know one of the things that uh, just came out the CES conference was what last week, two weeks ago, something like that, and I think there was um. There was this proof of concept, like software or demo or something, that Microsoft put out, and the name of it is eluding me right now. It's called like Aluma Room or something. It's a ridiculous sounding name, but I oh think yeah, where it almost projects exactly. It, proje- it makes it like a three D, three hundred and sixty degree projection, one of step an closer to the hollow deck. That's basically right. Saying, yeah. I mean, you'd be standing in front of your machine and then projected around your whole living room. Is an is a graphical experience that you know utilizes something like Connect to use head tracking so that you could move and the whole perspective shifts, which just sounds like a motion sickness nightmare to me. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's do do we need these companies to just think of something completely different? I mean, there there's uh, there was a report about Sony investigating or uh, you know, investing in this technology. That would essentially allow you to insert these contact lenses that have the ability to communicate directly to your retina, so that you know it. it it's a sort of high tech version of the the old VR helmet that was always a disaster that looked terrible. Do you guys remember Dactyl Nightmare? Do you ever play that game? Mm-mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was like the first like arcade VR helmet thing. It was terrible. Um, but you know that th- that's definitely a new input. That's you're getting into 1984 scary Big Brother type stuff where you're talking about beaming images directly into your brain. But I suppose technology is moving fast enough that something like that might not be completely unheard of. Nintendo had this vitality sensor that came out a couple years ago that never actually released, and they never even said what it would do. But this basic little thing that clips onto your finger that measures heart rate and something like that could affect the way a game works. You get stressed out, and the experience changes. I mean that could be cool i guess if you figured out how to use it but mm-hmm. but then at the same time are we asking too much of these games do we just want to be able to sit down on the couch with a controller and just have yes. fun and that that's that was what i was going to speak to that because i think there are certain things like like if you look at movies they haven't really changed that much in many ways right. and it's because 
the experience they're trying to give you is, you know, sit and be entertained. I feel like broadly, at least, that's enough you can say about movies. And I feel similarly about consoles, is I want to more interactively sit and be entertained. Right. You know, this is why I didn't get into Kinect, is because if I wanted to run around, I would run around. Right. And um, I think there's some cool things they can do with the motion sensors. I think they need to be paired back. But anyway, I, I, I almost wonder if they're not going to push too far in those kinds of things because it might not be creating the experience that people are interested in having. You know, I don't need to have... I don't want to put a contact in my eye. I'm not interested in that. I can watch it on the TV. That's fine. Right. That's good enough for me. I don't need it to be that, that level. So, But I think it depends because, like, what you said with motion control, I'm kind of right there with you. Like, the first... Uh, Wii game I ever played was Madden and where you actually have to throw motion throw the football but of course I don't throw as good as Peyton Manning so my, my throw sucks but I'm playing as Peyton Manning so what I want to be able to do is I hit a button and I throw the football like Peyton Manning if sure. I wanted to throw an actual football I'd go outside with an actual football um, and throw it as crappy as I do but I think the thing is, is obviously most control with Wii did very, very well. And I think it's because, like, a lot of people argue, like, oh, well, motion control is it for core gamers. Or you can say that, you can argue with that all you want. But there is definitely a, a niche for motion control. Just like I feel like whatever kind of new stuff they come out with, whether it's something to go in your eye or project on your room, there's gonna, there could possibly be a group of people that would say, like, yes, I absolutely want to do that. If anything, just because it's the new technology and they want to have that, just like they have to have the new iPhone every time it comes out. I don't do that either, though, so I don't get that. Yes, but exactly. That, but that's us. It's like we obviously would not be the people that they would be trying to make their commercials for because they're like, these guys aren't going to buy it, you know? And <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, it would just kind of, that's the whole thing is they need to find some, I think, you know, like what I was saying is they need to find something that maybe hits a diff, like PlayStation needs to find something that maybe hits a different group than like the motion control or whatever. Like, obviously. I mean, Xbox looks like they're just doing some really cool stuff with the projection screen and the motion control. Like, they're literally moving towards, like, a real hollow deck. it seems like. Which would be kind of cool, but at the same time, you wonder, like, eh, like how that's going to have to go through some really weird steps first to where it's kind of iffy, you know? Um, but, eh. Right, and, and at some point, like, we have to separate out, I think, the gaming experience from this other thing that these companies are trying to give us, which is this overall entertainment experience. Which, yeah, I mean, I appreciate the fact that I can sit on my couch and, you know, boot up one of the consoles and I've got my Hulu Plus and I've got my Amazon On Demand and I've got my, you know, <clears throat> I've got my Netflix, like, all right there. And I do use those for those. But, like, I, I, I really, I like video game machines because they play video games. And <laughs> at some point, you know, it, it just, you know, when you get away from that, I mean... As much as I love my Xbox and I spend way more time on it than my other machines, I every time I log in to freaking live and look at that interface, I want to choke it to death because it's so <laughs> stupidly unintuitive and I just I want to be able to customize it. I should be able to turn it on and the five things that I do, I want those five things right well, in front of me. I don't want to have to tab over 17 times. Well, that's why they added the to, pins. The whole idea was But to I make can't it. even see that just by looking at it. I have to yeah. go into the pins menu then to see that. It's like, I mean, I like it's cool to have the yeah. social stuff close and I like seeing when you guys are there and seeing if I can hop in with you, but like I like I'm, who's downloading music videos onto their Xbox. And, there are some people who do it. Though. There must be. There has to be. But and I uh. think that's the thing is you know I think I really felt when that new look came out I felt like they were just trying to copy off of Windows 8, which is fine. But the whole thing is like within Windows 8 you could customize where all right. the different tiles are and what they do. 
you can't do that with your Xbox screen. It's just, <laughs> boom, that's just what you get. So, I don't yeah. know. We'll see. Maybe that's a lot of people are wondering, like, will the new Xbox run on, like, Windows 8 and have all this kind of, you know, cool, oh, customizable stuff? Oh, I bet it will. Stuff. They'll make it compatible if they can. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, right? It's a seamless integration. I get on my Nokia Windows phone, and I use that to connect to live, which lets me go to my PC, which is streaming to my console. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's what, you know, these companies have to look at these things as ecosystems. So Xbox has kind of figured out, okay, we know how to do this online experience right. And I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. Although I've heard there's some cool stuff that Wii U does. We don't have those, so we're not playing with that. I mean, Sony has kind of gone off and said, well, we're a lifestyle brand. You know, we can release a handheld console that costs $299 for the, like, the higher level Vita. And people are buying those things. Granted, maybe it's only 72 people. or I mean, that thing's sold disastrously horrible in the United States. But, um... You know, they'll have to figure out you kind of, I guess, what their angle is. And and we've talked about this before. But the bigger your company gets, and the more money you're sinking into these things, the more important it becomes for them to be successful. So you have to do some whatever you're doing. You have to do it well, and it has to be different enough from other people to make you want to go there. Because I think we've basically agreed, like, yeah, we have PS3s, we have Xboxes, we love them. My PS3 is a nice machine for single player experiences that I can just have as a standalone, like. I never really grit my teeth and go, which of these machines am I going to play this for? You have one experience on one and you have one experience on the mm-hmm. other. Yeah. So like, what what is it that's going to make this this new generation? I mean, because all I can see is, you know, we've gotten to a point now where, you know, narrative can, you can do anything. You can tell any kind of story in a game and that's amazing. You know, the graphics are just crazy. These are things that would make our six-year-old heads explode, the fact that we're playing <laughs> the games we are now. And, you know, it, is it, like you said, is it just like a higher-end PC? Are we just talking about horsepower at this point? Like, consoles that are able to produce an ultra-high-level PC spec like type experience because everything we're seeing now about games like Watch Dogs and 1313 that's the only thing they'll say well well what you're seeing right now is this is being run on a high-end PC so so is that the future do we just need to go to all high-end PCs and you know the buy-in is just so expensive for that though like I love playing video games I love playing good video games I'm not going to spend $1,800 on a machine that lets me play video games that's ridiculous but that's just and then for a lot of people that's every not year, ridiculous. So, yeah, yeah I'll, if I'm going to spend three hundred dollars, I'll buy a new console, not a graphics card. Like, yeah, it's it's crazy. So I mean, yeah, and and as for time release, I do feel like if they're going to release a new console generation this year, it probably will be in the fall, just because I feel like releasing a console before E3, before you have a chance to kind of say, hey, this is our new console, this is like actually get a chance to sell it in a way, just by talking about it. Because I feel anybody who tries to sell it before E3, everybody's going to be looking at it like, there's going to be a lot of people who just want to buy it because it's a new console. Right. But there'll also be a lot of people maybe like us who you know don't have the money just to buy the console just because we want the new thing, who are going to be like, well, why do I want to buy this console? And let's say you know Sony releases it first. Well, people are going to be like, well, I can only buy one. I can't buy both a pl- new PlayStation and a new Xbox. So which one am I going to buy? Well, if Sony comes out before E3, everybody's going to be like, well, I don't know. And then xbox comes out like after e3 let's say after they have a chance to be like this is why you should buy our xbox well people might be more likely to go like well then i want to do the xbox or you know who knows maybe selling it first might be better because then people will buy it before they realize the other one's better who knows well that's the thing i think i think most consumers are are savvy enough now that it seems like it would be kind of a bad move to try to stick your neck out because now the other company has the ability to take everything you've done see it 
you know, and go, okay, well, maybe we're not changing things at this point because it's basically set. We know what we're doing, but at least we can market it in a certain way mm-hmm. that, you know, hits something that these other guys. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have, have to yeah. play this game of chicken, right? Where they're like, well, we can't, we, you want to be the one to fire the first shot over the bow, but then that gives the other guy the ability to re- retaliate in a smarter way. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, I guess the, the point of it in the end is competition should always breed something that wins for us, right? Yeah. I mean, the more these guys are at each other's throats, we should theoretically be the ones that benefit. But, I mean, just like I said, going back to the idea of just like blue sky. So let's assume we're at the end of the year. These two things have been released. And we've got the seven hundred dollars or whatever it takes to invest in that. Jared, what what are what are three things this machine would have to do or be that would make you think like, oh, okay, this is something I think I might be able to do. Well, you know, the interesting thing to me actually in a new console generation that's what's more important than the machine is actually launch titles. I I can't think back to a console generation that had launch titles that I was like, oh man, that's so incredible! I can't wait to play that game. Right. Launch titles are usually kind of crappy, and 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 this, that's not anyone's fault, really. I mean, I think it's hard for developers to to really get in and and learn how to use those machines right away. I mean, it's not unusual to see a console generation improve the the quality of games, even in things like just their their ability to use the technology that exists, and they get really good at that eventually. Right. Um, so that's actually one of the most important things to me. It has nothing to do with the machine. Um, certainly just flat out power will be important because if I'm going to shell a lot of money for a new console, I want it to be really powerful because I'm going to be playing that same console for the next at least five years, I guess. Probably at least, more. yeah. So I want it to be really powerful because I want it to be a machine that I can continue to use for a long time and it continues to look good to me and it's really is really great so i do want to see a big up in that and they're showing us that that's going to happen not worried about that and then um the other thing to me i think has to do with the interface Uh, you know when we talk about you mentioned you know we have one machine we use for multiplayer and one we use for single player Mm -hmm. and i think for all of us it's xbox we use for multiplayer and playstation we use for single player and the reason is because the multiplayer interface is in group making and interacting is easier on an Xbox. Yeah. I find it to be a huge pain to try and do it on PlayStation, so I'm not going to waste my time doing it. So I want to know about that. I want them to make these interfaces really different as well. And and in terms of not only the way I interface with people online, but the, the way that people have technology in their homes now, you know, people have smartphones and tablets and computers, and, you know, I think they're going to need to think about that too, Where where I might have my my tablet and this might be a big thing for xbox i think more people have ipads than 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 anything in terms of tablets but you can go oh hey you know and you can use your tablet to do things on your console right well they already do that with smart smart glasses yeah Yeah. but i mean even to the point of having things like and you're seeing this a little bit with smartphones like maybe i have a game where you manage resources and i can open up my tablet at work on my break or whatever Right. And um, <laughs> just like, you know, work on gathering those resources and doing these little things at work. And then when I go home, it's like, oh, the, the big experience is on the console. But I can actually do things separate. On So I think the tech, the way those technologies interface as well is going to be really important. Because we've seen that a little bit. PlayStation did that a little bit. Where, like, with some of their games, like, you could have it on your, your handheld. Mm-hmm. And, and then that same game you're playing with your handheld, and you get home, and you have the same data on your console and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think you had to buy 
both games sometimes though, which is kind of lame. But yeah, they've just recently started like you know get the PS3 version and you get a digital copy of the Vita version. So I think yeah. they're learning. But you're right, it was sort of pay so that, twice that as was, much for twice the experience. Yeah, that kind of sucked. But if they make it one thing, I want to see. That's that's something I'm going to want to see a lot too. They're because that to me is them showing foresight because that's going to be something moving forward. They're going to have to be able to do. I guess they could try to integrate those things later, but really, if they put that out the gut, they're going to be setting themselves up, really, for that. So, um, but I'm going to be looking most at what I said first launch titles, because to me, brand loyalty comes from titles, right? And and that's the reason I've I've been a, a Sony guy for a long time is because they have Final Fantasy, and that's a big thing for me. Now that's a franchise that for me needs some improvement. <laughs> Um, you know, it's not been as good as it was to me when I was a young person, but that's, sorry, sidebar. But, um, you know, brand loyalty to me has more to do with exclusive titles than it has to do with one machine being better than the other. Because if I said, hey, is an Xbox better than the PlayStation? Not really. To me, they're, they're close yes. enough in terms of power, in terms of graphical power. You know, one's not really better to me than the other. But so what drives me towards one or the other? It's it's these kinds of things that drives me towards one machine over the other. So to me, new new not just new IPs, but new IPs would be a big thing and crossing over, you know, there's some of these things like Gears of War that they're not gonna be able to build a trilogy on this generation. The next game after judgment probably will be on the next generation of Xbox. Right. So that's what I'm looking at a lot is things like those titles because the machines are probably going to be fairly comparable. And that makes sense. And so so don't don't give us the promise of what this experience will be. Come out of the gate with something that demonstrates for me exactly why this is a new era, right? Yeah. Like, and I think that's what they would do at, at, at E3, you know. Sure. They'd be like these are the kind of launch titles we have, which I would almost kind of, you know, I would I would agree with you for 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 one of my definite things would be uh, launch titles and on top of that like you said exclusives you know there are certain games that are exclusive to certain consoles and a lot of times that do that kind of makes the decision for you i mean one of the main reasons i bought a ps3 because i've always been an xbox guy was uh, i mean of course for the, the blu-ray but also because i really wanted to play uncharted yeah it was such great Amazing. games i really wanted to play those so that was pretty much i bought the playstation 3 that came with uncharted 2 because i wanted to play it so um, yeah, I would definitely say that. Although I, I will say that Xbox, I feel actually has done pretty well with launch titles. Um, with the original Xbox, you know, you had Halo, which I mean, come yeah, on, that now. was basically all they kept that console. Yeah, for. that that yeah. that pretty much made that console what it was. And then with the Xbox 360, Gears of War, the original, was a launch title for mm -hmm. that, which at first was not a very like everybody's like, what is this Gears of War stuff? But then when it came out, obviously, did very very well. So I think as long as Xbox can kind of keep up with their, you know, how they've been doing with launch titles, I think that they should do okay. Um, so we'll just kind of see how that goes. Uh, a big one that I would say is especially after, you know, with the Xbox 360 is I want, um, yes, I do want a high-powered machine, but I don't want a high-powered machine that's going to break down after playing it for a year or something like that <laughs> with a red ring of death. Red ring of death. I did deal with a red ring of death on one of my Xboxes, and it was not fun. Yeah, sure, I got a brand-new Xbox, you know, for free because it was covered under the, the warranty with that and everything. But still, it was a huge pain in the butt to deal with that. Not to mention I did have my hard drive crash once, so I lost all my save games. Um, you know, I, I, I want, yes, this big, huge, fancy, you know, high powered thing, but I want it to work without me having to go get it replaced every year. <laughs> so that you have to use the phrase like one of my Xboxes. Yes, <laughs> That's exactly. That's ridiculous to think of. One of the Sega Genesis is 
that I had. Yeah, it's like you don't think about things in church. No. But we just accepted that that was part of that experience. No, absolutely. I that. My, and so did I. We, I think we were very yeah. lucky. We both have our little white I machines. Had, and I, I, was, I was I very late. First, I got so through why. all of the Red Ring of Death stuff, so I thought I was good. And then like a year or two after the end of Red Ring of Death, I got one. And I was like, I thought this was over and done with. I was, I was lucky. The, the machine I bought was what they did is they took all those and they refurbished them and put new, bigger hard drives in them and sold them cheap. And that's what I bought. I nice. bought an X, what must have been an X Ring of Death um, <laughs> yeah. machine, and it was really cheap. And, and um, so I, I lucked out hugely. I mean, your guys' misfortune was my Jeez. my prize, basically. Yeah. <laughs> to um, get this great machine for not that much money. But I would have to say my third thing would be um, kind of uh, the interface. But I use that in many, many different ways. Um, of course, yes, obviously, with just the, the menus and the screen, like how it works. You know, I want it to be able to work easily, but I also mean with, you know, playing with your friends online and accessing videos and doing all these different things. I don't want to have to go through three or four different menus to go watch movie trailers or to go watch a, a video game uh, trailer that I downloaded. Um, you know, I don't want to go through all these different menus to, like, send a message to one of my friends or, or to hook up with them. Um, also, just, you know, a, a very simple thing is the controller, you know? I mean, the controller is really big for me. I love the Xbox 360 controller. It fits my hands perfectly. PlayStation 3 one, I feel a little awkward and weird about, which I heard they're getting rid of their DualShock controllers anyway, so we'll see what they come out with. But um, just, you know, the way that you interact with the machine, I want it to be very kind of easy and, and mm -hmm. user-friendly and... So yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, the big thing is going to be the games because that's what you get the console for. You right. want them to be fun. You want them to be good. And I, you know, I want some new stuff. Yes, sure. I love the games that I love, and I love when they make more of them. But there's very few things better than playing through a brand new game that you don't have any kind of expectations or ideas about. Like it's just a brand new experience. And obviously, they're saving a lot of those for the next console. So um, you know, we'll just see kind of how that goes. What about you, Chris? What are you looking for? Well, you know, you guys bring up really, really good points. And it's funny to think about, you know, since, you know, it, since being an early adopter has not been something that's been a priority for me, you know, I, I look back at things like launch windows and it's, it kind of shrugged my shoulders. It's like, oh, that's interesting. But I mean, I think I mentioned in the first episode of this podcast, I bought a PS2 at launch because I wanted to play a PS1 game. I wanted to have my own copy of Metal Gear Solid, and, well, this is the machine now that they're coming out with, and I know I'll, I'll get a DVD player out of it, so might as well get that. Um, I, I would like to see really strong titles out the window, and not just, you know, titles that, you know, are, are good experiences in and of themselves, but ones that really demonstrate something that you're able to do now that we couldn't do before because I mean more house horsepower is great stronger better prettier is great but it would be neat to see something that we just couldn't do and I don't know what that would be I don't know if it's you know audio is used in a different way or you know I, I don't want 3d I don't even know if I want this projected around my living room stuff but j give me maybe something that I haven't seen before you know say what you want about the Nintendo Wii it was something we hadn't seen before and they were very mm -hmm. successful for it um, another thing I'd like to see uh, break away from is is a set pricing structure for new games like I love the idea that you know if you know 10 games come out in a month which are all at least kind of interesting maybe some of them are $29 maybe some of them are $59 like everything is now but 
make room in the retail space for games that are at different tiers because I think there are a lot of games that you know whether or not they're what we call triple A had they launched at a slightly lower price point I definitely would have been on that like right when they came out at this point now we know we can wait on a lot of games because we know the history has told us that three or four weeks down the line well I mean I'm gonna get this thing for 30 bucks in a couple weeks anyway what, what, yeah. why do I want to jump in on this now um, have you guys seen anything about this uh, oh gosh what's the game that just came out it's a crazy brawling game that the name is totally escaping me right now Japanese game made by the people who made Bayonetta not Azura's Wrath. Is it? No, it came after that. Oh, this is embarrassing. But the idea, basically, this game launched at twenty nine ninety nine. So that's cool. It's like a new game for a modern console that you know maybe it's not the longest experience in the world, but mm -hmm. you know I, because I think there's lots of really interesting things going on in the, like the download space, which yeah. you know those those some of those are five dollars, two dollars, fifteen dollars. Um, but what that still has is it, it's still the download space. As much as I would like to have, you know, like you said, that little console that basically streams my experience, like I have the benefit of a pretty secure, really fast internet connection at home, which is something that a lot of people don't have. Mm -hmm. So you can't, I don't think we're at a point yet where you can limit it to that. So why not make the retail experience a little bit more than that? I mean, maybe mm -hmm. that's confusing for retailers, but I think people are smart enough. I mean, if you're going to find... Like, these games will find their audience if you can remove that barrier of entry for $60 games. Mm -hmm. And, and I, th I think to, to build on that, the final thing that I'd really like to see is, um, is somehow, you know, the ecosystem of these new machines integrating, you know, all games on kind of sort of an equal footing. It would be really cool to kind of have some kind of experience where... You know, your your Call of Duties can sit right next to your Limbos and right next to your Angry Birds in a way that, you know, because right now I feel like there's a lot of segmentation. If I want to play a good free-to-play experience, I'm probably having to sit at my computer. If I want to play a fun, you know, game that I could just jump in and play for a couple minutes, it's probably on my phone. If I want to play a hundred-hour thing, it's probably going to be on my console, where I think all those things could exist in one place. So maybe maybe something about the machine makes it feel more like the Steam store or something where all these experiences kind of just coexist side by side, one next to another, and you can just sort of self-select, you know, those things that seem most interesting to you. The same way that, like, you know, I go to a video store and there are all the different movies are video store that's a quaint idea that doesn't exist anymore does it but you know these things all <laughs> sit next to each other you know i'm at the record store the another red thing box. that doesn't it's exist anymore box, yeah. I'm at the red box and yeah all these experiences they're just all it's kind of democratic right they're all just sitting there and i'm just able to go like okay this 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 i feel like right now everything is so tiered like if i want to go look and see what's going on with indie games on my xbox i gotta dig and dig and dig and dig and now I'm like awash in this sea of garbage, which, you know, maybe there's good games in there. I'm never going to be able to find them. So I don't know, some way to kind of, you know, help encourage these smaller things to be something that's easier to become a part of. Because I feel like we're at this tipping point right now where, you know, I, I think it's going to even itself out. You know, these big behemoths that can't pull their own weight are going to kind of shift to the side where these young, nimble, smart teams making small new experiences are going to become a louder and louder voice, and I think we're all going to benefit for it. So we'll have to see. Oh, I, I want to mention something else that I want. And yes. shame, shame on you consoles for not doing this last time. 
Backwards compatibility. Yeah. Let me play my old games on my new console. Don't try and sell them to me again. That is bullcrap. I have not bought any games from you on Xbox Live or PlayStation Network that I already own so I can play them on my new console. I didn't do it. I ain't going to do it next generation either. Just let me play my games on your new console. In <laughs> fact, tell me they're going to look better even if they don't. I don't care. <laughs> Give me backwards compatibility. And the other thing I want to say is, funnily enough, again, you know who's probably going to win this console war? We always call them the console generation wars. It's probably Nintendo again. Probably. I don't know how they're going to do it. They did it last time. I didn't know how they did it. They'll probably just do it again. I don't I, know. Like, I, a lot of people were kind of... The Wii U, everybody's weird about. They didn't really know what it was or, or how it was coming out. They do and now, and it's got a head, big head start. Well, yeah, yeah. and I think but that we'll one see. of the things that I'm reading consistently about, and, and these are not just from people who are you know want to play the new Mario game because they're always going to have that audience. Like, that's locked in. They don't ever have to compete for that audience, the Metroid audience, the Zelda audience. Like, they have that forever. They'll never lose that. Well, that's what we're talking but about exclusives. Exactly. Like, no right. one will ever beat them for that. So th they've won that. Let's just remove that from the equation. They won that when but I was, like, I, five. There is a lot of people now <laughs> who are starting to become vocal about, you know, it seemed like kind of a gimmicky thing, but the idea of being able to pull the console experience off of your big HDTV and into your lap apparently for a lot of people has been kind of a game-changing thing. And I think that a lot of that are people who are married or people who have kids because it's the idea of like, no, I have these big, awesome games. I should play them on my big, awesome TV with my big, awesome surround sound system. And I agree with that. I mean, that, that's what those experiences are for. But apparently for a lot of people, the idea that just seamlessly, you know, pull that thing in and now it's right here and you go watch Real Housewives or whatever it is you want to do, honey, or let the kids watch, you know, Curious George, but you can keep playing with that. I mean, that's, apparently there's a lot of people who've never even hooked up their Wii U's to their TV, because you don't have to. You just plug the machine into the wall, into an outlet, and now you have the whole experience, and that's mm -hmm. kind of crazy. So, yeah. yeah, you're right. Who knows? Like, man, that was a joke my, me and my friends made back in 2004. You know what would be ridiculous? if Nintendo ends up actually winning this thing. And, and they, they created And they it. did because they didn't play the same game as the That's other right. companies did. So. No, they found their own niche, yep. and I think they went to a much broader audience. You know, Obviously, Xbox and PlayStation have always been more of a core gamer system, while Nintendo kind of is more for the casual gamers, right. the exercise enthusiasts, that kind of motion. And, and because they, they don't exclude the people who would own a PlayStation or an Xbox right. either. That's the other thing, too. It's not like... We're not part of that audience as well. Yeah. We're probably not as interested in those as other things, but I know plenty of people who have an Xbox and a Wii. Uh, Chris? Well, we play, Chris we've, we've talked about how much fun we had playing like Mario Galaxy. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that was an awesome game. That's was absolutely really an awesome game. So, yeah, they, uh, let's, let's, let's not be surprised if they win again because <laughs> yeah. they, just, they just kind of continue to kind of quietly sneak in and go, hey, we have this kind of cool new thing we made up and we innovated something fun I don't know maybe, maybe you like want to it. check it out I well, don't know and then everyone's like ah everyone buys it and no one knows why no well the only thing it. I'll say is that you know when you know we came out with the motion control they were the only ones really doing it well then Xbox came out with Kinect and so far most of the critics are saying that when it comes to motion control Kinect is, is, is kind of better critically rated then of course you know the Wii come, the, the Nintendo comes out with the Wii U where this whole like doing the, the experience with the handheld and, you know, Xbox does smart glass, which isn't quite the same because you can't play the game no. on your iPad or, or you know, tablet or whatever. But it still kind of is that. So I wonder is like, yeah, so the Wii U came out first, but now does, does PlayStation, especially Xbox, have enough time to maybe take all that stuff that the Wii U has and put it into theirs and, and do it better like they've proven that they can do? 
You how, can say yeah. they did it better, but how many Connect units sold compared to the stuff Nintendo sold? Not even close. Yeah. Well, even yes. if it's better, not even close. But Nintendo, to the you had Nintendo to get had. it. It's the console. With Xbox, you had the choice. Which, like me, if if Connect was cheaper, uh, yeah, I totally would have gotten it. Or if it just came with a console, yes, I'd be using it. But uh, I I don't have like hundred fifty dollars coming in second with a better technology doesn't always help you. As it's much true, as you yeah, think. and so that's what a lot of people are wondering is like, does Nintendo win because the fact that they come out first, so everybody already has the Wii or the Wii U, so they're not going to bother buying another console, you know, or whatever. Well, and, they still are also continuing to appeal to a broader audience than I think that yeah. Xbox and PlayStation are going to do as well. I think well, so they still have that. I, I don't. This is one of the things that's surprising to me is that is that Xbox and PlayStation haven't found a better way to reach out to a larger audience because they've tried. But I think, I think Xbox has with the media stuff, with the, the Hulu and the Netflix and ESPN. You can do that on any of the consoles. Yeah, they, they pioneered mm. it. You can do it anywhere now. Yeah. You can do it but anywhere, that, that and was you can do it with a Roku box. For them. And that's what I'm saying is they maybe with their new console, if they can do that in a whole new way that even broadens it more, it might kind of overlap of what the other ones are doing i don't know this is all kind of speculation they come out and not have any of that stuff well, and, and you just have a crush on xbox i so do i love xbox do the best you i've love always them. thought that xbox was the best of the consoles <laughs> well and then but like you said it, it's got to be you got to use the strengths of one but you know make it distinguishable enough because you can remember that year when you know i think the e3 was like nintendo had they had the year when like they released all these games that people have been waiting for. It was like Kid Icarus and Kirby and Donkey Kong and Metroid and the 3DS. And it was like all this stuff. And then it was like Xbox is like, well, now we're, we're, we've got some more stuff to show you. Look, wave your arms. And your arms are waving on the screen. And then to see the move stuff just is like, really? Just You've awful. got the most powerful machine in the world is your console. And you're just, you're doing what Bling the movie ice cream is doing. It. Like it's, oh my God. So I think to come out and do something that's exactly like that is just going to look like exactly what it would be. It's yeah. taking like this thing and going, oh, we can do this too. So, yeah. but, you know, maybe there has to be some aspect of it. So, you know, I don't envy the people who have to make those decisions, but <laughs> they're smart people. So you know that there's something behind it. Yeah. So we'll see. It'd be really interesting. And, and I also want to let everyone know that, you know, don't be discouraged about the idea of a new console generation because... Great games come out right at the end of a console generation. God of War 2 was one of the last games that was made for PlayStation 2, and that game was awesome. So don't assume that this generation is over now just because we're close to the turnover. Mm -hmm. There will be a time when the new consoles are out and some great games will still come out. And take the opportunity that we're going to take. We're going to go back and play some games we missed. There was a lot of games. I couldn't That are going to be a lot all. cheaper, yeah. They're going to be cheap. So take that opportunity as well. Don't I hope no one's discouraged about this or sad. I'm not. I think it's I think it's time. I think you guys agree it's probably time. No, I, I like I said, I think they're getting to the point where, you know, they're running out of, you know, they're 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 kind of starting to get to the point where they're almost beating a dead horse with some of these games and stories. It's almost time to kind of start over fresh with a couple of things and maybe even give some of these series a, a reboot, you know, with some better graphics and better looks, maybe some better gameplay that they might be able to pull off with these nicer consoles. So yeah. you and, and maybe, you know, a, a year and a half down the line, I'm able to get a $150, you know, Xbox 360 Super Slim. That's this really amazing little repackaged version. I don't have a new version of, you know, I don't have the last version of the PS2, but there's still a part of me that's like, I 
kind of would like to have one because it would be really nice to be able to keep playing those games for a really long oh, yeah. time. Yeah. Which, I still have all those games. I have my PlayStation too. They're still fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, but that brings us back. Backwards compatibility, I think, would be really nice because they bragged about that with the last consoles and they kind of failed. It was a big selling point for me to buy my PlayStation 2. Yeah. As I said, oh, well, at least I can, I can pack away my PlayStation Right. I don't got to worry about it. And I got this PlayStation 2 that makes my games look a little bit better. And I can play all the games I have already. It's like offering me a free library of games. You know, like, people really like that. Yeah. And, you know, like, okay, fine. If my PlayStation 3 couldn't play PlayStation 1 games, fine. I would let that go. You don't got to go back. You don't, you know, I don't need to be able to be like, oh, hey, I want to be able to plug a Nintendo cartridge in my PlayStation and play it. <laughs> Why doesn't I that get, work? Yeah, I get that. But give me one generation back. Give me one generation back, I can play my games... It'll, it'll make me more likely to want that next console because I know at least, like, you know what? I get this new console. Maybe I can only buy one game right away, but I can slap my own games in it and keep playing yeah, and exactly. put my yeah. own thing away. It'll make me feel better about buying that new console. It'll, it'll make it more valuable to me. It's something I can use more right away. So I think it's just smart. I think it's just a smart thing for them to do, and I don't know why they didn't do it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. To skip it. So. Well, I, I think this year is definitely going to probably going to be a great year for gaming, no matter what. Um, uh, you know, we're all pretty sure of the new consoles, but you know what? Even if for some odd reason they decide to wait another year, uh, we still have some really great games coming out. So uh, we're looking forward to this year and to doing more shows and telling you guys all about them. Um, but uh, before we sign off, we did want to kind of uh, say a very sad goodbye um, to X Play, a show that we've all really enjoyed. We talked about it a little bit um, last uh, show because of the fact that G4 is doing kind of this reorganization, which we think is totally ridiculous, but hey, who are we to say anything? But um, It's stupid. Yeah, today, actually, X-Play had their, their final show, final the uh, series finale. So um, we haven't got a chance to check it out. Um, it's actually an hour long, um, so uh, hopefully you know they had a lot of fun with it, and I'm sure there will be some some interesting things on there. Maybe even they might kind of pull some of the, you know, this is our last day on the job, so let's just lay our cards on the table kind of stuff. We don't know. Yeah, I hope so. But uh, it's going to be really sad to see him go. We really enjoyed the show. Yeah. It's a great place to get a lot of information, and uh, it's a great place where we actually get a lot of our information, even just from the G4 uh, website. So um, hopefully, you know, maybe um, there will be other areas that will fill that, as well as maybe our podcast. You know, people will start coming to us for info. But uh, we'll just see how that goes. But like I said, um, yeah, we're really you know uh sad that they that, that um they decided to do this change in their channel and we'll see how horrible it's going to be probably next month when they start up all their new stuff I, so i won't even watch it i won't yeah <laughs> i might just to see how bad it really is but anyway yeah so we just wanted to kind of say that because you know it, it's it's sad to see anything in the, our uh, video game genre getting removed but especially something so long lived yeah and something that was done really well so yeah. but well, uh, hopefully the, the, they, uh, it all works out for all the guys working there. And, hey, if any of them need something to do, they can always come they, do interviews on our podcast. Right on our podcast. Yeah. You guys are welcome. They're, they're lining up at the door. <laughs> they are. Yeah, I'm ready. sure. Yeah, we're getting emails as we speak. That's um, right. Blair Herder's actually driving over right now. Yeah, yeah. No, he's not. So, anyway, well, thanks, guys, for listening. Um, uh, we hope you guys continue to uh, check us out. Um, but uh, I, we're just going to go ahead and sign off. So, uh, I'm Mike. I'm Chris. Jared. We're the used gamers, and we will hopefully uh, see you guys in a little bit.
I saw a weird thing in the newspaper the other day. They were talking about um, the founding of DC Comics, like way back in the day, Detective Comics. Yeah. And um, the guys who founded that were named Eisner and Eiger. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah. Bum, 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 bum. Who would one day take over Marvel? Assassins versus Templars thing. They're like, they've been for years. Iker versus This has been going on. It's like Champion Edition Street Fighter where I can do Guile versus Guile. <laughs> Eisner versus Eisner. I can't wait. Turbo Edition. 